Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Introducing the greatest animated series you've never seen, Lightning Dogs. These canine commandos are lost on a post-apocalyptic earth and battling the forces of the evil Glampire. <laughs> it's a tribute to the cartoons and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, and Nerdy Show is hell-bent on bringing it to life. Blocks sold separately. Join us as we document our quest from the moment lightning struck to every world-building session and beyond and make our crazy dream a reality. Roll with the pack at lightningdogs.com. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Network, geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Welcome to Nerdy Show, a weekly podcast dedicated to every facet of nerddom. From comics and video games to science and technology, if it's geeky, we've got it covered. Hi, I'm Cap. I'm Sick Brandon. I'm Boar. I'm Healthy Trench. <laughs> Are you, though? For now. I mean, as long as you don't breathe on anything. When you get, get to my touch. age, though, I breathe I breathe on everything. Hold on. I've got a mask on just in case. How, how old are you, Brandon? <coughs> old enough. <laughs> to die. <laughs> I, old enough to be your father. No, you're not. You're like, Except at most... facial hair like that, you should be my daddy. <laughs> right? Yeah. So at most, you're like two years older than I am. What? Maybe I'm like three. I'm like a decade older. Are you? Yeah. I'm an old man. Look at me. Just look at me. You do look like you should be in a home somewhere. You piece of shit. (laughs) This is our top 20 nerdy things of the year episode, an annual tradition since the first year of Nerdy Show almost a decade ago. And this, we've done it many different ways in the past. Um, We're shaking up the format a little bit this time for one very special reason. And that very special reason is the holiday season has been royally kicking our butts. You might have noticed last week's episode of Nerdy Show didn't come out until like several days afterwards. Um, by the way, you should totally check it out because I spent like y- literal years of my life on that episode about the film Toys. Um, <laughs> and uh, even if you haven't seen it, it's made for everyone. So please do check it out. I talked to Barry Levinson, the film director. But anyway, so in this episode, we're going to be counting down the things, any kind of thing across the entire year of 2017 that we think is nerdy and arbitrarily ranking these things against each other. So we're going to have scientific discoveries, movies and television, um, music, things that should not be compared against one another that we can compare against using the only metric that matters at all here on Nerdy Show, and that is nerdiness and uh, how we choose to interpret that. So throughout the year, we've been we've had a, we have a spreadsheet. We've been dumping topics in there, and then we voted on it all, collected that, tabbed it all together, and then tried to make sense of this bank of useless data. Honestly, starting in January, I need to anything that that tickles my fancy. 
I'll need to write down because I have no memory for this year. And until you put out some of this list, I was like, oh, yeah, that came out this year. That's what you're supposed to do. That's why there's a Google document. I can't remember to do that for everything in my life. There's so many things in my life now where I'm like, I need to start making lists. I can't do that. (laughs) Actually, the way we do it is there's a fierce blood sport, battle royale style (laughs) throwdown that goes on where we all have to champion our, our... individual choices that's why you don't hear john or jess this year (laughs) i'm pretty sure most of mine lost so (laughs) Mm. (laughs) anyhow uh formerly we given we'd had like special segments for each thing and brought in nerdy show hosts from across the network who were more of an expert in that one topic than anything else but this time due to massive time restraints the fact that we're recording this like really like the on uh what's what's being called um Christmas Adam, as opposed to Christmas Eve, because it comes first. Is that a thing? It's just a joke on Tumblr. Um, oh, of course it is. <laughs> uh, but, Very funny. Uh, <laughs> a joke on a joke. Interesting. Whatever. Anyway, uh, we're we're really running late on this. We we last year we did this in late November, um, but here it is, the end of December. So anyway. We're just going to do it as a regular episode of Nerdy Show and count it down with only our four brains as input and whatever notes we manage to gather. Flying by the seat of our pants, but hopefully you'll enjoy it. Anyhow, um, I guess we'll, uh, I guess we'll kick it off. No, 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 number twenty. Number twenty is the Muppets take the bowl. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. Well, um, in a, a, la- a literal bowl, like where <laughs> did they was, take it? It was made of gold. Like they steal it from the Louvre. Miss Piggy ate out of it one time, and so it was kind of you know special to Kermit. After their breakup and his subsequent dating of the other pig. I'd watch that and, movie. And the cancellation of their actually kind of great television show. Was this a movie? They take a bowl somewhere? Hopefully it'll be released on video at some point. Direct, po- direct to VHS. Is this a Pottery Barn related thing? <laughs> Last year we, we ranked um, on the list a actual live performance of the Electric Mayhem Band. And that was kind of a beta test for what ended up happening this year across several nights at the Hollywood Bowl. It was a full Muppet Show musical production with special celebrity guests and live puppeting on stage. And none of us here went, but we've seen (laughs) videos on YouTube and it looked amazing. Like a really splendid tribute to everything that is Muppets. Yeah, I saw a couple of videos from it. I think one of them was like the Rainbow Connection and it was really, really fantastic. Yeah, it'll make you cry if you have emotional feelings associated with Muppets. Um, Paul Williams, who wrote Rainbow Connection with uh, Jim Henson or maybe entirely himself. And that's John Williams' brother. I'm assuming both writers in the family. Brandon, you're you're a big Daft Punk fan. You should very well know who Paul Williams is. Yeah, he's uh he's uh one of the dudes in the helmet. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Little known fact, it's actually one person. It's just a trick of the light. There's not two of them. One of them's an actual robot, but that robot doesn't have sentience. So yeah, it's just a mannequin. Just Paul Williams and a robot that's essentially a mannequin. <laughs> So that that thing is spectacular. We'll link on this episode's page to everything we're going to be talking about here, but we'll we'll showcase what we can of this. I don't as far as I know, there's not an official video yet of any kind, but I mean, they must have at least captured it for posterity and hopefully they'll release it. I don't know. But it is incredible. If I'd known about it far enough in advance, I would have considered throwing down money I didn't have to go yeah, see Yeah, when it. I saw a video of it, I was like, why did I not get notified of this? Because this looked awesome. Yeah, I, I need to make sure that I get, like, the newsletters from Muppet Central or something. Because, like, I mean, I think they they go into my, like, the, the place where all the 
the bullshit ad emails get dumped and not into my inbox where I need them, where they could have been like, oh, shit, this year it's happening. It's really happening. Because I would have been like, oh, yes, it's happening. And here's all of my money. And I'm going to fly out to California. And I'm going to watch some goddamn Muppets. <laughs> right. And this is a weird year for the Muppets as well, because, of course, uh, the dude who voiced Kermit for, uh, well, ever since, Jim, who Jim Henson literally said, you're voicing Kermit when I when I die, um, and also uh, created the character of Rizzo the Rat, he got booted. He got fired from, from Muppets. And Was it a sexual harassment scandal? Why did he get fired? Uh, to my knowledge, no. Um, it, it's actually still... Molesting the Muppets. It's pretty complicated. Um, I think all Muppets are molested, though. They've got yeah, hands Yeah, pretty open, thoroughly though. molested. Um, <laughs> That's true, I guess. And when they're done with them, they put them in boxes, and they just rot away into foam. It's awful. Have you ever seen Hoggle? you seen what Hoggle looks like now? Mm-mm. It's terrifying. Don't look it up. <laughs> <laughs> looking it up <laughs> oh god it's it's like it's like looking up like gore photos from war zones don't look it up um anyway so i mean the, the but, but whatever happened with him there uh it was very difficult for all muppet fans to process we'd invested a lot in that guy and i mean like you know kermit can come and go many people have done the voice for kermit across the years with special appearances but this dude is rizzo the rat so that was kind of like the biggest blow for me which no one was reporting on but the departure w- was sanctioned by the Henson family. They uh, they agreed with Disney, like, no, this is a very serious matter, but yes, it does have to happen. So we don't know the extent of it, but whatever huh. it was, it was actually like kind of important. Interesting. I just found the pictures of Hoggle. It looks like an old man with gangrene and just lots of herpes and things exploded out of his body. It's pretty cool. <laughs> well, what you described is what he normally looks like. So what does it look like now that his uh, his whole uh, yeah, puppet face that, is decomposed? Around, it looks like... It looks like this what I just described, but if it happened to an actual person. Yeah. I mean, he's just been rotting in a <laughs> that box. That is awful. <laughs> I thought they put him in, like, airtight containers for future generations. Uh, in the 1980s, apparently not. It looks like they just fished him out of the ocean. You would think <laughs> because... <laughs> kind of looks like the crew of the Flying Dutchman in the second Pirates of the Caribbean. It does, movie. actually. And it's so weird because they put so much time into into making these guys, you would think they'd want to preserve them as long as possible. I mean, possible. some pieces of it's Dark Crystal... It's been, what, Crystal, 20 years and he's already destroyed? Uh, it's been 30 years. Whatever. <laughs> time has no meaning to me. Um, But uh, <laughs> it's... <laughs> It's actually uh, a, a lot of it has been preserved and is in like museum exhibits presently, but it's not poor but Hoggle. not poor Hoggle. Latex does not hold up well. Um, so that takes us to number nineteen. Anyone do want to do the no 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 nineteen? Sorry, I'm I'm gonna be coughing sometimes because I'm dying. I threw up two days ago. It's pretty fun. Want but anyway, do, want me to do another one without coughing? No, no, we'll leave it. Okay, it's good. Nineteen. <laughs> 19. See, normally I count that as like, you know, bad podcasting, but Brandon being sick is kind of like It's yeah, not it's, fun. It's, I hate being I hate that I'm here right now. It's, I feel like it's part of the experience of this, much like how uh, a few years ago, every time we said the word nerdy, he took a shot. <laughs> God, I don't think in my old age now that I, I could do I love that. The <laughs> I've destroyed my body in so many oh. ways. <laughs> Oh, I'm old. Time has no meaning to me. We're back. In, which is it? Brandon? I don't know anymore. I'm senile because I'm old. You know, we're all locked in a small room, and I'm like, I'm sick. You're all gonna be in. For, no, for number nineteen, Brandon decided to celebrate Hanukkah with us by making latkes. Yep, number nineteen. Number Top 19. nerdy things: Hanukkah latkes. Brandon's latkes. Here I we made go. It with one egg. Pass it around. Wait, are you guys actually eating these? Yeah. Okay. Are we not supposed to? No, you can. Are they gonna get us sick? Are they I gave them to you. They're, they're good. You spit them, right? They're yeah. just better with. I'm not gonna eat any. He's sick. <laughs> I washed my hands after making them. That okay? Delicious. I did. All right. What, what's nineteen? Um, two elite dangerous players gained access to the James Webb Telescope. Yeah. 
So here's the thing. The James Webb telescope isn't actually launched or isn't actually fully active yet. So they actually year, they, yeah. they got to see it, though, in person, which is weird because it's in like a clean room. So I don't mm-hmm. know what they had to do. But I've been researching the story on how they were able to do that. And apparently these two characters named Mars and Sparks with like a W in there, Sparks, they're notorious for like goading people into letting them do things they're not supposed to do in Elite Dangerous. <laughs> these are like, these are good latkes, Brennan. Thank you. They're they are yep. Um, so they've they've convinced the admins to like take them outside of the universe in the game, and they've done all sorts of crazy things. So yeah, they, I should point out like teleporting them outside not outside the universe. That's impossible. The galaxy teleporting them outside of the Milky Way galaxy, which is I mean, Elite Dangerous. If you're not familiar with it. It's a space simulator. But it uses actual data from NASA probes yeah. to build the universe. So it's a pretty accurate one. Um, and that's why actually how they pitched it to NASA. They're like, hey, can we um, – they just did it for fun. Like, can we see your, your James Webb telescope? We're going to make some educational videos. And they're like, do you have any educational video experience? I'm like, nope. But here's a bunch of YouTube videos of Elite Dangerous we made using, like, <laughs> using, like science and showing how rooted in science it is. Because, I mean, they did yeah. impressive stuff. Like, Elite Dangerous had the Voyager probes in the yeah, game. Yeah, was, it was amazing. They, they calculated because the game takes place near – 3033. So they calculated where the Voyager probe would be a thousand years from now using real trajectory data and like gravitational wells and shit like that. And they found it. They were the only ones, but they they actually found the Voyager probe in 3033 in Elite Dangerous. Because they they, they stuck the probes like within the framework of our solar system for a little bit just for fun. And then they disappeared. And they're like, have they gone anywhere? Apparently they actually made it (laughs) follow the real trajectory somewhere. So. Yeah, See, that, I've, yeah, I've played Elite Dangerous. I didn't realize they put that much stuff into it. I've got lost and kind of. <laughs> it's like real space, watch, which is why it can be very boring. So <laughs> it's the docking simulator game. Yeah, so I don't, but, I don't know what happened afterwards. But then they were NASA's like, sure, come see the well, James yeah, Webb Telescope. They, they had a fan of their videos who was working for um, NASA oh, okay. and at, at speci- specifically at the Goddard Space Flight Center. And uh, he's like, you mean, you should, maybe you should like, you know, see about getting access. And they're like, all right. And then they did what you said they did. But they actually got to uh, – they went to the, the Goddard Space Flight Center and uh, watched engineers prep the telescope to be moved to the Johnson Space Center. That's so cool. And they filmed a video. Before it gets shot out of the skies, I mean, that, that telescope's going to be the next – the better version of the Hubble. So yeah. They've been really working on cool. this thing for 20 years. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so, you know. and, so, and they use their, their nerd power to both, like, play an awesome game and have some fun hijinks it's just weird how and per- educate people. Like, persuasive these guys are to do whatever they want, and it ends up <laughs> happening. I, it's so weird, but, but it worked, <laughs> and it was amazing. It was an amazing feat that they that they did. So, number eighteen, eighteen. This 18. gag's already kind of old. Should we retire the gag? I don't know. Why don't you do one, Trench? Say eighteen. <laughs> I'm just not sure what to do with just it. Just say number eighteen. I don't know. Number eighteen. <laughs> there we are. Awesome. It's eighteen, folks. What is eighteen? Riverdale. You know, see, I haven't watched it. So. That, I know it's an Archie thing, and that's that's, that's what I know about it. <laughs> it's I didn't a CW it, primetime soap opera that Bore and I can't stop watching. Is it just because even you guys though are I'm so far behind on season two, I still haven't oh, watched. Really? I still haven't watched very much of it. Oh man, I dipped too, my toe in. Too but busy that's watching Dirk Gently and Star Trek and Orville. There's so many good things this year. Yeah, yeah. Actually, here's a here's a, a good preface for where we are right now. This list is full of television shows, more full of television shows than it's ever been before. The threshold of nerdy television shows could not be ignored. How is Riverdale nerdy? Okay. That's my question to you. That's it, a really it just good seems question. Like, it just seems like a, 
I don't know, a CW show. Why is it nerdy? You're right. It is a CW show. Everyone's extremely sexy. Are there superpowers? All the time. Or dragons? No. Aliens? What it is, it takes one of the longest running comic books of all time, Archie, and dives deep into the extremely specific nerdiness surrounding Archie comics and the publisher itself. This show was created and is showrun by Roberto Aguirre Sacasa, who is a dude who, in college, if I remember correctly, put on a play... Uh, which Archie Comics sent him a cease and desist letter over because it was Archie as as a, as an adult dealing with like sexual depravity and, and and real world issues and stuff. So they said, "Hey man, you can't do that." And then years later, after he got a couple writing gigs for Marvel and did some cool stuff over They're there, like, "Hey man, you can do that." Eventually, he started writing for Archie, managed to successfully pitch them Afterlife with Archie, which is the incredible. Uh, like rated R zombie story in the Archie universe illustrated by Francesco Francavia. And then he became editor in chief of the fucking company. And then he's like, all right, I'm going to take my Archie play. Not exactly, but pretty close to, you know, to, to primetime television and mash up Archie with twin peaks and turn it into this, this show that isn't just nerdy for that reason alone, but it gets so deep into weird Archie shit. Like, there's a drug in the school called Jingle Jangle, which is the name of a song. I can't take that seriously. Which is the name of a song by the Archies. And there's a villain throughout the second season, a serial killer called the Black Hood, which is a character published by Red Circle. Um, Red Circle. Which which was the the like another imprint within Archie, and and is like this pulp noir character of like a of a, a vigilante, and and it's in this it's in this show Riverdale. It's full of like weird seedy underbelly stuff and it's so engaging to watch i can't stop i'm waiting for the ninja turtles crossover because that's i think the only archie comic i ever read yeah uh ninja turtles meet archie yeah, yeah. you didn't read punisher meets archie no is that a thing yeah dude oh because i'm wa- i'm currently watching punisher so i'm hoping they're in like See, the last episode there's a there's a he <laughs> <laughs> goes to riverdale the last episode it just ends veronica now, if they if they did that crossover it'd be amazing because what happens is is the punisher's tailing this red-headed like mobster who looks a lot like Archie, and so he just mistakes Archie for this mobster because the mobster like tries to like. She's like, "Oh, that man, that kid looks like me. I'm gonna try to like switch places with him." And he looks like what an 18 year old kid. This mobster. Uh, no, not up close. <laughs> up close, okay. he looks like like a like an Archie who's really been through the ringer. But, but it's enough that you know from a distance with a scope on, maybe he looks like Archie. <laughs> and then uh, that 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 issue ended with um, uh, Wolverine getting a um message from cerebro that had just detected like the most evil mutant of all time and it shows a picture of jughead but that book was never made (laughs) (laughs) oh man season three spoilers so here riverdale has it's all happened this one year two seasons have happened in 2017 which is insane and uh we're in the middle of the mid-season break right now but there's a lot of riverdale for you to watch and enjoy and maybe you'll find it as engaging as, as i do aaron from a comic shop he's also addicted to it um, I like it, and I don't know why. Yeah, if Bohr likes it, and he doesn't know why, there's something to it. There's some sort of like visual nicotine, so you just get addicted to it, even if you don't want. It is to. really nice Bohr to look at. Bohr is notoriously hard to please, physically well, and mentally. I don't know. <laughs> I, I do end up liking movies that other people hate, so I don't. I don't well, know. The Notebook, yeah, notoriously <laughs> one of my favorites. We all know that. <laughs> let's let's go counterclockwise with these. Um, numbers so it's you boar 17 17 is cuphead don't deal with the devil 
which is a game that's been in development for ages, and I really want to play, but folks, I haven't played any fucking video games in the past three months. I've been working on it for like 10 years, and you haven't played it. I know. I want to I wanna pay homage to it, and I love, I love retro animation, and I love all the work that these folks put into for, to, to making this game, uh, Studio MDHR. They've, you know, they hand animated the whole thing. It looks amazing, but I haven't played it, so I'm going to give the floor to whoever has here. That would be bore. I have definitely played it, and it is an unforgiving shooter uh, that it's... Like a run-and-gun, right? Uh, Contra? There are run-and-gun levels, and there's also boss levels, and then there's, like, bullet hell levels. It's it's a pretty interesting mashup of of kind of different genres. Um, but the, the art is fantastic throughout, and uh, I guess the one thing that makes it not completely throw your controller through the TV frustrating is that you have like unlimited lives. So if you're fighting a boss and it kills you, you just have to go to the beginning of that boss fight. You don't have to go through like an entire run and gun level to get to the boss because if there's a boss level, it's just a boss level pretty much. The I, world is I've a vampire. S- Denon. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> For the, I mean like the level, it's got kind of like an open map that you unlock. I haven't played it. I've just seen other people play it. But the map is you have to beat bosses or levels to progress through it, but it's fairly open so you can kind of tackle things in whatever order you want. Yeah, and that's the other nice thing is if it, you get really frustrated with one boss, you can be like, all right, I'll come back to you. I'm going to go work on something else. So that makes it a little bit less frustrating if you're if you're like running up against a wall that you just can't pass. I, would you say that it's cut from the cloth of like like not just being a fan of 1930s animation, because that that's clearly like they're wearing it on their sleeves. It's amazing what they've done replicating that style, but also of no, like a like, harder era of video games. And they also don't um, censor a lot of it. It's still you know it's got people drinking, it's got people smoking. They held that level of authenticity to it when they were doing it. And there was something else I saw. I didn't see any overt racism that you they might find that in some up, old yeah, 1930s <laughs> Well, that's cartoons. not authentic, is it? <laughs> yeah, not really. There's also other like nerdy kind of references that they made, like the um, the two frog bosses that you fight early on. Uh-huh. The when you turn into a slot machine, the platforms that they're spinning out and jumping over are like homages to Street Fighter characters. Like one of them is Blanca. I think the other one is um, M Bison. I can't remember what the third one is. But I love all the crazy things that just came out of your mouth. When the frog bosses turn to a sp- slot machine and yeah. start spitting out Street Fighter characters. Well, you see, you fight two frog bosses, and they <laughs> one of them at one point turns into a like a, a, a fan that's blowing you in the opposite direction, while the other one shoots what kind of look like uh, lamps at you. I don't know <laughs> what those are. But yeah, at one point, one of the frogs jumps into the other frog's mouth, and they turn into a giant slot machine. And they have boxing gloves on. Yeah. Oh, neat. Oh, yeah. I'm watching. Uh, I'm looking at little images and videos. Of it. <laughs> oh man, I really wish it was on PS4, but it's not. Well, they needed that Xbox money in order to make the damn thing. Here's the thing: with all that money, though, it took them so long to make this game that I feel bad for the studio. I don't know how they're going to top it or make another game similar. I do want to point out, Brandon, that at this very moment, they're working on another game. You are working on a machine. That is capable of playing Cuphead. I don't actually think that my laptop is capable of running I anything. Do. You think I can run it without a graphics card? I absolutely do because Cuphead's available on PC and there's uh, lots of winter deals. I think you can get it for like 12 bucks right now. All right. And you could play it on that there laptop that you got right in front of you. I have an onboard. So you don't have to worry about it not being available <laughs> on PS4. I have an onboard crappy graphics card. I'll How try about that. that? It's 2D. 
Yeah, it doesn't. And matter. for the rest of the episode, Brandon plays Cuphead. <laughs> Look, my laptop probably can't even run Diablo three. I just yeah, want you. You just know need that. to get yourself a controller, hook that in there, and <laughs> and go. All right. If I download this and I can't run it, I'm getting a refund. <laughs> you can because Steam offers a <laughs> refund policy that as long as you haven't played it for over two hours, they'll automatically refund you the money. All right. Maybe I'll try it then. Damn you! Hooray! That's a Christmas miracle. <laughs> while you're at or it, or a Hanukkah miracle. I'm while you're at it, try Shovel Knight. <laughs> oh, Shovel Knight is great. Yeah, man, that sequel coming out. Hey, Brandon, it's your turn. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez, guys. Uh, number sixteen. Chamber Band's record, Governor's Square. Chamber Band are no strangers to this top twenty list. They're a group that every single record they do is a concept album that's set in a different world or universe and all of them have been quite different in how they've done this the first one they did was dungeons and dragons the second one was the world of the hunger games and this one is an even deeper dive than either of those it's the world of hg wells specifically the time machine and the invisible man which are totally unrelated stories that throughout this record governor's square they uh they link up and, and weave the sort of alternate narrative where the uh the the maker of the time machine has two children and it's about it's a story about these these young people who have had these uh, distant folks in their lives that are all sort of touched by this um, grim science and how they react to that. You hear through the uh, the the young boy's voice dealing specifically with helping his father develop this time machine and the weird things that happen as a result of that. And then the girl who goes off and uh, as a as an adult falls in with this guy who's the ends up being the invisible man and knowing that someone she cares about maybe went crazy no one can find him and probably committed a bunch of murders is this a musical is this like an an opera what is this it's a it's a it's is it like kind of story based it's like the proto men okay but folk rock got it (laughs) so there's one continuous story basically but with song yeah and that invites you to sort of fill in the blanks okay um and Boy, it's really good. It's not like there are other records. There's not a song that like rocks on it. It's very somber. It's very depressing. Um, I like depressing. I know you do. <laughs> and we actually did an entire episode with Chamber Band talking about the record. So if you're curious about more information on that, well, one, you should listen to it on their Bandcamp and then buy it if you like it. And two, uh, check out our episode. We uh, we play some tracks from it and and then go in depth as to what's actually happening in the narrative of each of the songs. Number fifteen. Star Trek Discovery. I really love this show, despite it not really feeling like a Star Trek. <laughs> um, but is, did anyone else finish all? I think there's only nine episodes I didn't, before the season. I didn't season finish break. it. I think I watched like four, four of them. But I, I enjoyed what I watched. Because at the beginning, you were like, I don't know about this show. Yeah, the first episode, I I was not on board at all. And I got completely on board by episode three. Hmm. Yeah, no, episode episode two and three. Episode three, though, mainly was was the starter for me because one and two kind of sets up the yeah. characters, but three is where the, the show actually starts picking up yep. speed. Discovery's a weird show. It's only on CBS's um, dedicated streaming platform, which, which is, is a major strike against it. That's why I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> um, and and I've seen the first three episodes, and, and I really enjoyed the first two episodes, which are kind of like push them together, and they're like a standalone film. But it's very much um, something cut from the same cloth as the J.J. Abrams reboot Star Trek universe, though a more interesting if it was if it was released as a feature film with all those three films having already been out, I would say it's the best one. Oh, yeah, definitely would have been better than the J.J. Abrams films. Um, Oh, yeah. But 
it's also is. it also wasn't particularly Star Trek. They changed a ton of things about the Klingons. Oh, yeah, well, the, did, the Klingons thing just completely makes me mad. Just what, I, what part of it? The part where they're nothing like the Klingons. Yeah, <laughs> the, the part where they completely change their culture and the their aesthetic and the fact that they don't. If they were called something else, I would really love them. Yeah, but exactly. Because they are Klingons. It's like uh, they're it, still kind of battle. And it and, would also help if they just spoke English and used the same MacGuffin that they use for every other alien race, and they're just have a universal translator and we well, don't have of, to read and listen to them slowly speak Klingon. Well, there are lots like of scenes. Okay. There are lots of scenes where there's no English speaking people around and they're talking to each other on the ship and I'm okay with subtitles there. And hearing uh, it. Folks, I'm hearing a lot of negative and this already beat out a bunch of awesome stuff. So why the hell is it here? I, I don't know. I voted on it pretty highly. So I don't know. Yeah. You, so why? you made the list. Justify. <laughs> why did you vote it that way? The list is made based off of the way. Well, it's been so long since there's been a Star Trek show that this is filling a hole in our nerd voids. Well, it's also one of the few things I knew on this list. I'm like, I'm voting on this one, <laughs> honestly. And I, and I really enjoyed it. And, and as far as sci-fi shows go this year, most of the ones I like are getting canceled. And this was a show that filled a void that I wanted, which was a good sci-fi show. And I, I'm going to just, I'm going to be straight out there. You know, I don't like the Orville, but I love Star Trek Discovery. I like that it's a little bit episodic. You know, every episode, something different happens, but there's one main underlying theme. There is one main plot kind of like uh, what we should, Deep Space Nine. What we should point out is that beyond um, that first two-parter episode, that's just this weird setup prologue for what becomes the actual story and format of the show, which is completely different from that stuff. And I've seen up through the first two episodes of that, and it's really good. In regards to the, the, the nerdiness of the show and how it gets to be here, well, what is it that obviously it's not it's not classic Trek, which well, and if it was, that would have probably bumped it way up on this list. But from what my input is on the show is that the the sci-fi is very quality star trek level sci-fi yeah no this the sci-fi is the main reason like i said i watch it and the it it is more than other sci-fi shows you know star trek's always been known for it to be kind of boring and it'll be like they'll talk about a lot of numbers we need 0.0 ratio on this they do some of that not to the level of the original star treks but it's the only show on tv right now that has any sort of science whether or not you find fault with it they actually go into in some depth the science behind why things work and how things are and, and that's why I like at the it. end of the day it's a very very good sci-fi show it just might not be the best star trek show yeah if you go into it going man i can't wait to see how this connects to like the next generation or voyager i mean you're, you're obviously gonna be, gonna disappointed. be disappointed yeah because it, it though it there's does, no way it, it does can. weirdly kind of but not really i just don't see how it could but if you want a really good sci-fi show it's a yeah. really good sci-fi show yeah and they did a stupid thing where it's a mid-season break now so you, i have no idea what happens to the rest of the season they had nine episodes and then there's a break well we could say that about Pretty Almost, much every yeah, show, every on the show yeah. is doing that now. <laughs> and you have to watch go what like ABC streaming to watch it, which like or CB I don't know CBS, yeah, CBS. all access. Ugh. Yeah. Well, fortunately, I didn't pay for it. Denica did, so I'm just <laughs> leeching that. <laughs> so if you know anyone who has it besides me, and you want to leech off of them, it's it's worth it if you don't have to pay for it. So, and that's why it's on the list. <laughs> Number fourteen. I like that that grizzled grizzled sound you made. <laughs> like a bear <laughs> number 14 is well a fascinating breakthrough in science a little slice of actual science fiction in the real world that if we're grading scientific discoveries would probably be number one on this list but for also scientific discoveries that may cause the end of the world yeah yeah well. that too scientists have added two new letters to dna's code 
So there's normally, you know, GTAC. And now there's an X and a Y. Yeah. I have no idea what they stand for. Well, I, I mean, just know I there. think they stand for we needed letters to, you know. I mean, they definitely stand for something. They definitely. Does well, this mean we're getting mutant powers? I thought the X <laughs> Actually, was mutant powers. You, you could be on the right path because these are completely synthetic man-made and they what they've done is they've bred this bacteria. Mutants aren't man-made. Mutants are natural. Well, uh, I mean, maybe not at the beginning. Maybe they're made and then they get out of control and start breeding and then they're natural later on. That's not that's anyway. Not canon. <laughs> the point is that at this point there's only but there's only like I think 20 amino acids and with this synthetic one that they used a bacteria to create um, they can make up to 152. What that means for the building blocks of life, I have no idea, but they no, can do in some fact, insane... No one shit. does. It's yeah. just that the possibilities are now wide open. Yeah. And it should be noted that this originally happened with, when they engineered bacteria that used uh, the DNA with the new letters. That happened in 2014, uh, but this year what's big is they've actually gotten the bacteria to actually use them. Like, not just that they're... Um, that the DNA had them, but like that they can actually replicate it. It's moving. Basically, what they kind of did in 2014 is actually working now it's actually doing the thing um, yeah so it's a field i think called synthetic biology and i actually have a really funny quote here from someone talking or basically it's one of the scientists i think that was working on it and they're mm. like hey wait a minute uh this could be dangerous what if they escape into nature and he's talking about like, the bacteria and the scientist is like uh i think that's a significant concern i think people should be worried about that kind of thing <laughs> like, what excuse me but then I read later that they supposedly, because they have to be fed man-made materials, which are synthetic to survive, that they, they wouldn't be able to survive outside of the lab. But, you know, nature but, finds a way. I was, I was going to say, life, uh, you know, finds a way. Finds so, a way. Um, um, soon they'll open doors. So. <laughs> yeah. Drive cars. It's really exciting because there's, they're, you know, they're saying, oh, there's going to be all these new crazy medicines and cures. But we all know they're going to give people like double heal, like double the strands of like DNA and shit and make people super strong and like. All the rich people that can afford it will have tails for no reason. Oh, I thought you were just saying that everyone was going to turn into some kind of Cronenberg mutant, you know? I'm okay with that, as long as it's everyone. Yeah. (laughs) As long as I can get a portal gun and find another (laughs) another parallel reality reality where I just died, then. This this is really cool. You only get so many of those. (laughs) It's just most likely going to be used in the wrong hands because everything that's crazy cool is. Well, it's there's so many potential applications for it. Like bacteria could be engineered to clean the environment. We could, you know, reverse effects of global warming. Like it's much like having the same kind of open door that the premise of nanomachines allows for. Yeah. Um, it's going to be difficult to implement because adding new letters um, to DNA is a, the comparison they made in an article I read was it's like introducing a new letter into the English language. Um, but only using it to make a couple of new words. Yeah, I mean they're 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 making this in giant quantities in giant vats at this point, from what I read, like huge vats of this bacteria that are pumping out these new um, chemicals. I think it's like nitrogen compounds. But I'm not sure. it's also going to allow us to study what life might be like on other planets because we'll be able to discover, you know, essentially, you know, the possibilities of things having building blocks beyond what has evolved on Earth. Hmm. Okay. Well, I didn't think of that. So. That they're calling them semi-synthetic organisms. These uh, these new bacteria, and uh, I mean they're they're synthetic on the Earth. But what you're saying is they might exist on other places naturally. Sure, yeah, okay. yeah. I mean that's entirely possible. They could even exist um, in the parts of the Earth that we you know don't that are relatively untouched, like like the hollow center where the magma men live. Mm-hmm. Mm. Exactly that. <laughs> we know they have more than four building blocks. Just think, Brandon. 
We could give you bird wings. You know what? I've been thinking about that for years. Here's the thing. You don't need these extra letters to make bird wings. You just need a virus to be able to reprogram your DNA to give you hollow bones and wings that function and change your center of gravity. The trick and is, hope that no one throws yeah. a punch at you, ever. The trick, the trick <laughs> you don't is for fall you, down to the stairs. The trick is just while this virus is changing your DNA, just for you not to die while it's happening. <laughs> That's the only part we have to figure out. But we don't need these extra shit to do that. We could do that all along if we really wanted to. It's cosmetic, like genetic engineering. It's fine. 13. A little show just came out recently, kind of a late entry to things. It's called Future Man. And Brandon, you're the dude who's seen all of it. Yeah. Am I the only one here who's seen Future Man from start to finish? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, if you have Hulu, you you have no excuse. And if you know how to download shit, you I, have no excuse to not watch Future Man. If I like how you're looking at us. Like we I'm have... looking at all three of you. I was putting it off because I'm like, oh, a show called Future Man, whatever. I finally watched it, and it's so enthralling. Uh, the best way I can describe is a more modern adult version of Back to the Future meeting Terminator. And the first the first one or two episodes do a lot of throwbacks to like 80s things and 90s things. Um, nostalgia, obviously. But from then on, episode three and on, it does it in a very kind of classy, subtle way. Like you'll you'll notice in some of the scenes, you know, when when one of the main characters figures something out, I think maybe in the first two episodes, they play the little like the jingle noise from Back to the Future when he figures something's off just in the background. Yeah. And it's is really incredible. And and basically it's the story of a character who gets sucked up through through some crazy shit in time travel and screws up the entire timeline and has to deal with it. I've seen the first two episodes and really enjoyed it. And I like to think of it as like um, Ernest Klein's Armada not done shittily because Armada was a take on basically the last Starfighter and of, <laughs> yeah. of, of having of like, you know, being good at a video game and then getting sucked up. That's and, your, yeah, that's the qualification for you're now the hero we need. Right. Unfortunately, Armada is just not anywhere near as good at handling that pandering nostalgia threshold that somehow he managed to sustain in Ready Player One. Um, yeah, but, the, the nostalgia in Armada, it's like they just throw it at you. You're like, you roll your eyes. But in Future Man, when they do it for some reason, it's kind of funny. So this guy's really, really good at a first-person shooter. He become, he like, he like does this impossible thing. Like no one else has done. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, these peop- these characters from the video game show up in his house. And they're like, you, you're the chosen one. This is this is it. And he's like, this is just like uh, The Last Starfighter. Yeah. What the fuck? And, and he's like, I, I'm good at a video game. That doesn't translate to anything. And he's right. Because there are scenes where they're like, oh, you're the greatest warrior of all time, and why can't you fight? And he's like, these are just video games. They're like, video games are hardcore training simulators in our day in the future. And, and Yeah, and they, they totally misinterpret everything. But then... but so these- Yeah, I've, I've only seen, like, trailers and whatnot, but he's like, they have motorcycles lined up, and they're all getting on the motorcycles, and he looks at it, and he's like, yeah, I can't ride this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much Josh Hutchinson, which is from The Hunger Games. I didn't even remember that, because I'm not a huge fan, but he, this is like the role for him. He plays a great Marty McFly, even if that's what they meant. I mean, th- he, he plays a really good modern-day Marty McFly. It's, and, and um, Ernie Hudson's in it? Oh, yeah. Haley Joel Osment's so in it? So good. There's, there's so many... Uh, great actors in this, but I think that the my favorite thing about the show is the terms I started using. So I call people's mouths rat holes now, because <laughs> in the future, that's what you do with your mouth hole. You use them to eat rats. So they call them all rat holes. They, they don't know what kissing is because that's fucking disgusting. It, it, that's it, where your rat goes. Yeah. That's not where kissing <laughs> like that's where your rat goes. That was it's great. A, like it's a really long running gag. It, it goes into like to kiss this female character. She's like, oh my god, you want to put your your rat hole against my you rat hole. Rat hole to rat hole? <laughs> What's wrong with you? And she like gags a bit. And it's just yeah. So it's got a lot of humor like that, and it's one of my favorite shows this year that hasn't been canceled. 
so <laughs> which is pretty much it. And yeah. the showrunner is Howard Overman, who created Misfits. Oh, um, is it? Yeah. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. I didn't. Huh. I see. I don't. Okay. I never watched. Misfits, now I'm a little so. bit more on board for continuing. <laughs> you should just be on board anyway. He also is responsible for the Dirk Gently show that happened just before the one that we know and love now, the one that ran on the BBC between 2010 and 2012. Did I had it, no idea there was another one. Did it have an old British man and really bad? I haven't graphics? seen it at all. <laughs> I, I haven't. But it it does look. I mean, let's let's face it. The production level is much lower than the one that's like a co-production with America. Oh, yeah. That's not surprising, <clears throat> but. Um, it's probably pretty good, but also I like our Dirk as well. Anyway, it's time for the next thing. Number 12. A little DC Comics event called Metal, which is still ongoing, but even in four issues has been insane. I mean, we know that based on the episodes we put out and the numbers we get, not a lot of our listeners are huge comic book fans, at least when it comes up to keeping up on current events and what's going on in the DC universe or in the Marvel universe, etc. Well, you probably have heard us, though, complain about what's been going on with the New 52 and all that. Well, last year they started a thing called DC Rebirth, which was helmed by Jeff Johns and is essentially DC Comics getting their groove back. And oh my God, it has fucking worked. DC Comics is totally back to the high high bar of rampant weird continuity fun campy shit insane things happening um i mean there's a whole comic called super sons that's about <laughs> like clark and lois's kid hanging out with batman's kid damien and it's great like i would read that i wouldn't read batman or superman right now but i'd read that about but, their children but bat meanwhile batman and superman those books are great too like, Lex Luthor had this whole plot where um, Apocalypse deemed that he was going to be, like, the success, the like the successor to Darkseid. And in Batman, um, he, he got shown... Well, he, he visited this timeline where his dad became Batman, um, which is Flashpoint. Wait, isn't and, Apocalypse a Marvel character? Apocalypse is, a, is the planet where Darkseid's okay. from. Okay, really confused you. But Marvel also a Marvel say. character. Sorry. Um, <laughs> and so, so Batman... So Thomas Wayne, who grew up to be Batman when his son and his wife died, said to his son, son, I don't want this life for you. Don't be Batman, which gave Batman this huge existential crisis. And now he's proposed to Catwoman and they've been like going and fighting Talia al Ghul to like make sure she backs the fuck off. Is this a reboot? Do they reboot like they, all the characters no, again? No, timeline is the timelines have just shifted. Meanwhile, there's this whole meta plot where Watchmen is happening. Uh, like Watchmen is a thing that happened and Dr. Manhattan when he goes off at the end of Watchmen and says, I'm going to create my own universe now, he's the one who's responsible for the new 52. We talked about that, I think. We did. Yeah, we did. How I, that's like even the I way. know that. Yeah. So that's, that's still been going on. There's a book now that's just started called Doomsday Clock that ties all that in with everything else. So there's this big meta plot. But right now, focusing on this, this book, Metal. Metal is a story that Scott Snyder, who wrote Batman for years, has been seeding for like his entire work on in DC Comics, it takes all of the strange metals from the DC universe and all the various lore, like the metal that creates the metal men and the nth metal that's in the Thanagarian wings that nth like Hawk, Hawkman has. And um, what's yeah, an nth metal? Nth metal. Well, it's like NTH. In, in metal, you metal. learn that it's the ninth metal. <laughs> oh, it's kind of like Weapon X is actually Weapon Ten. Oh, jeez. Sure. So I I was reading this, and when I read DC Comics Metal on this list, I thought it was like. They did a heavy metal. <laughs> like well, that, DC made a heavy metal comic. Well, here's the thing. That's also the theming of this. So it's heavy metal with actual metals. That's there's a bit on the nose. Is that there's there's 52 universes in the DC universe. Like there's 52 realities. And they all have different metal. But underneath there, there's a, there's a negative reality in that universes that could exist but get pushed into oblivion where all the like 
all the negative energy is bleeding into it. Oblivion's also a character. It's this kind of like other, this other realm of universes that are destined to have bad fates, that are destined to die. So, um, this, this evil deity that's kind of been manipulating Batman for many years now, um, has pulled in other Batman from these other universes. And these Batman are all really metal. Uh, (laughs) Including one riding like a metal unicorn or something, or like a metal horse. Well, one's this like bondage Joker called the man who laughs, who he's Bruce Wayne, but he's also like the Joker. And he, he has like a cadre of, of Robins that are like these weird little zombie slave boys that just say the word crow over and over again. What? (laughs) And there's one that's like, uh, just this Batman with this insane supercar. And, uh, there's a Batman who stole like the green lanterns power. There's a Batman that's a, that's a woman that was like that has like a Aquaman Atlantean thing going on, um, and they they all have these really twisted fucked up backstories. So all that's happening. But meanwhile, Batman is having to strike deals with Sandman characters to try to save his ass, and it's all rooted in deep dark DC continuity. The stuff that they threw away, it is back in full effect. And if you're like someone who's been at or at all passionate about kind of like either DC's continuity or the fun of comic books and how weird it can get when you say, yes, everything did happen. That's what metal's all about. Hmm. That sounds like a lot of stuff that you just said. If you're somebody that isn't into comic books at all, is it approachable? Oh, stay the fuck away from it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> you, you might you might be able to get into it like when you read, say, like the the standalone issues of like, look at all these crazy stories of alternate reality. Batman. That's all I care about. You might you might be able to get into that. Yeah, things that start and end. But when you're reading the event, you're gonna be like, I don't know. Maybe maybe you'll be like, this is cool. I need to know more. Or it'll be like, I don't know what any of this is. Like, do I have to have read the previous two hundred different comics to know what's going on? Not really. That's but, a yes when you say not really. But well, I mean, the thing is, is that it's it's the reason it's on this list is because it makes it so nerdy. Is it's rewarding for people who have. If you're a diehard nerd, this is your shit. <laughs> so this is your shit. If you like DC, it's my shit. And I DC was burning me so hard and making me so sad. And they are so back right now. I cannot believe what a full what, reversal like, they've who done. Who changed it? Who made the decision saying, you know, we're going to change everything? Uh, make it well, good again. they were like bordering on financial catastrophe. So presumably, I'm assuming they actually uh, listened to people that were smart. This time. Yeah, Dan DiDio and um, Jim Lee stepped back from whatever bullshit they were pulling with New Fifty Two. If in fact they could be deemed fully responsible for that, and let Jeff Johns orchestrate this thing, pulled in new writers poached people from marvel by saying hey uh marvel doesn't give you health care but we will and uh <laughs> basically treating people better they give creator royalties for like older people who've created wow characters so they were treating much people better than like marvel. human beings is what you're saying they, they started That's treating people like human beings they as a result they made better, better talent work and have and have a, a genius doing the oversight on planning all these events and arcs oh man yes. it's like the trickle down effect it's like <laughs> someone did it for one next thing you know employers will start giving out pensions or something it'll be weird <laughs> Before we move on with the rest of the list, well, we need to inform you of some important things. Like, for example, all the programming on the Nerdy Show Network is made possible by you fine folks who fund us. We are listener-supported, and you can support us by going to nerdyshow.com support and leaving a one-time donation, shopping through our Amazon links at nerdyshow.com Amazon, where hopefully you've been doing all your holiday shopping and Hey, maybe start the New Year's resolution of all of your Amazon purchases will be purchased through our Amazon links. But 
the best way to support us financially, which we really truly do rely on, is funding us on Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdy show. Speaking of Patreon, I recently made some changes to the Discord rewards that you get through our Patreon. and $10 patrons get the patron role, and $20 and up gets you the Roosevelt role on our Discord server, which gives you access to the Patreon-only section of our Discord server. For those of you, you know, big money Roosevelt's out there, wanting to rep it like a rough rider, and, uh, you know, and also uh, help support the the network. Thank you. If you rap it like a rough rider, doesn't that mean you're not rapping it? I said rep it. Oh, uh, what 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 is, what do you mean? You mean like you're not rapping it because it's a present and you're like well, whatever. It, I assume that if you're a rough rider, you're right. riding bareback. So why would you rap it? Oh, no, you're right. You're right. But uh, is raw dog and some randoms. Is that what you're <laughs> <doing>? <laughs> raw dog and some randoms? What do you want to do tonight, Trish? Dude, we need to go out and raw dog some randoms. All right, I think it's illegal, but let's do it. <laughs> Seriously though, keep it wrapped up. Another way you can support us that involves no money whatsoever is rating and reviewing us on iTunes or Podchaser. If you like this episode, you can actually go on Podchaser and rate and review specific episodes or add tags. So if they want to search, uh, I don't know, Future Man or Mu- Castlevania Muppets, <coughs> one hashtag, you can you can do that. So people will be able to find those things in the future because it's a platform built for podcast discovery. So anyway, on with the list. Number 11. It's Megabots versus Sweet Obashi. The giant robot battle finally happened, a a historic event of two large manned robots beating the shit out of each other. I heard it was kind of boring, wasn't it? That's why it's not number one, Brandon. <laughs> yeah. But how did it beat my things? From what I watched, it was like really interesting, but the editing was terrible, and they really could have done away with a lot of their talking. So they need to fire their editors, got it. <laughs> it was really long. For for me, why I voted it as highly as I did is not for what we got as far as like the video of the the fight, because let's face it, that was not very good. And they, you <laughs> if know, they would have taken like the editors from BattleBots and then like had them work on this, then it probably would have turned out to be something kind of awesome. Because there was there was some really cool moments in in the fights, but uh, you just kind of had to like wade through a lot of crap to get to it. Yeah, and like the whole because it broadcast for us at ten at night. Because it, you know it, it had to pick a time where it could actually, and they know. have had that footage for weeks to edit it. Yeah, because that fight happened like quite a while before they actually aired say, this thing. Yeah, because it got aired the fifth of November. It was definitely not they a live announced fight. Announced the fight, which happening. is a little bit why it's frustrating that they didn't like properly edit it. Yeah, they announced the fight like if I remember right, the end of August that it was actually happening after like two years of this is going to be a thing. You know, it aired at a weird time for some people because they had to air it at a time where it would be, you know, live for people in Japan and people in America. So, you know, like East Coast, I had to stay up till 10 o'clock at night. And then the first 30 minutes were like the the pre-fight, re, you know, it, it was rehashing stuff they'd done before, which is like the, the company profiles of, you know, the two companies and everybody there and the robots and all that stuff. So you kind of wasted like the first 30 minutes. Was when this you're an already... American company versus Japanese company? Yeah. Who uh, won? Kind of hard to, you know, say. <laughs> Got it, Japanese. Yeah, no. Because the because <laughs> um, they did a thing where they had their original robot fight the Japanese robot. That is Megabot's original robot. Yeah, the Mark One or Iron Glory. That fought and it got knocked on its ass like 
instantly. Oh, is that the one where? <laughs> yeah, he just yeah. charged it with his big <laughs> fist and just knocks it on its ass. See, that sounds American to me. Just charging at it with a big fist. Well, that's what Japan did. That's, yeah. What? Oh <laughs> shit! Japan, America. And they does. Did, that <laughs> one was really funny, they, actually, just because you're like, oh, they they yeah, built it up so up much, it, yeah. and they're like, this fight is gonna be amazing, and then like it's like, boop, knocked him over, and then like that's it. <laughs> like wow. okay. Effective. So they they won the first round, and then they did a second round with the second robot they built, which Eagle Prime e- through the Kickstarter campaign that they ran, and they fought to kind of like a deadlock. They got caught against each other and couldn't move, so they reset. They swapped out one of the arms, um, the paintball giant paintball cannon on. Eagle Prime. With Believe it or not, a, a giant paintball cannon is not the most effective weapon you could possibly use. Did they replace it with a gauze they, cannon? They, they tried to play <laughs> it off like, rifle. well, we were trying to hit the wiring and knock it loose or whatever, but it was, you know, yeah, whatever. And yeah, like if you it. hit the windshield that they're looking out of, it might have slowed them down. <laughs> then they hit um, replaced that with a chainsaw arm. <laughs> that sounds a little bit different than A little paintball. bit more effective, perhaps. And they, like, got it in there close and, like, tore off the hand on the... Japanese robot. If they're smart, they would have went for the drivers. And they, they <laughs> it's like a drill that goes in the center. <laughs> they that's the thing. One of they through the two years leading up to the actual fight, they did videos of like weapons testing and whatnot. And one of the things that they actually did was a giant drill that they called the dentist. Which is like <laughs> basically like a, a ditch digging drill that they put on the arm of this robot and was like so effective against everything that they put it up against, they're like, shit, we can't use this in the fight because we'll actually kill the guy. <laughs> that's the point, <laughs> and right? And that's what the, you know, no, not in this case because they want to actually be able to do this again and not get caught up in legal problems. Oh, so it goes to, the, to one of the major things that they're going to have to deal with as this sport enhances because it is it is ongoing. Like, this is like, this is just the beginning of something bigger is that, you know, manned versus not manned. We kind of need to get to not manned because BattleBots is where we want to be. Well, how close are we to Robot Jocks, the movie, or... Um... Pacific Rim? Yeah. <laughs> I think we've still got a ways to go. But man, Robot Jocks, but great movie. Why I vo- voted it as highly as I did was not for what we actually got, but more the idea that we finally live in a world where giant robots have actually fought each other and kind of kicked the shit out of each other. And now we're at the point where, you know, it's allegedly going to build up into an actual sport. They, they need a, to fight in a desert with cameras so they can actually use real weaponry like gauze rifles and jetpacks. Make yeah, that mech warrior we, shit. We gotta build the gauze rifles and jetpacks We can first. totally just, just fire a giant bullet. There's like a <laughs> giant bullet the size I, I wanna of I want to point body. out that I would definitely settle for the Hugh Jackman movie Real Steel as a comparison because that's more manageable. Those are remote-controlled robots they have a cool sensor thing where if you like have good shadow boxing skills, you know, you can translate that into a robot and do cool shit. I want real steel. Uh, I would also settle I for w- a, a scaled up version of that Japanese uh, robot wrestling. What? Have you seen Japanese robot wrestling? No. It's like these cute little robots that they put into a like a little wrestling arena and then they the robots wrestle. They like go over and they'll grab each other and like throw each other down and the robots are really good about standing up and stuff. So the robots have to like pin each other down or like put them out of commission and throw them over and it's it's really hilarious. It's probably my favorite robot fighting out of all the robot fighting. <laughs> well, I mean there's BattleBots. BattleBots is I mean That's not still going, I, I, is it? I, yeah. 
Where can I, I thoroughly I enjoy BattleBots? Battle where, where can I still watch? I'm actually this is turning into a BattleBots conversation now because I miss BattleBots. <laughs> I used to watch it on BBC and I haven't been watching. Actually, it BattleBots is not only back, but they made the rules a lot more loose than it used to be. Is it on American TV somewhere? Yeah. Okay. Uh, the Science Channel. It turns out America has a they science have, channel. They have flamethrowers now, and they can have drones be part of their thing. Uh, they can also have little bots. Like, I think, I don't know exactly what the rules are, but some bots will come with an accompanying, accompanying smaller bot that can act as like a wedge or something else. Can they have one where it opens up and like a badger comes out and attacks the? Other I have robot? never seen any live animals. Like a live animal with <laughs> the robot. It's a catapult that flings badgers at the person <laughs> with the controller. That would be great. <laughs> but anyway, I think what Trench was getting at is that we've got we're starting to get elements that have a lot of potential. Also, another reason why I voted as highly as I did was just because of all of the science and technology and engineering that went into being able to pull this off. Yeah. I mean, that does seem pretty, pretty complicated. <laughs> it is substantial. But now we're in the top 10. So, Boar, why don't you take us there? Number 10. Why, number 10 is Castlevania, the Netflix series written by Warren Ellis. That was one of my, also one of my favorite shows this year that didn't. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN get canceled so, <laughs> even though it was four episodes yeah it it was over way way too quickly yeah well, but, wanting more but what a ride those first few episodes were i mean what's more nerdy than a comic book writer making an ultra violent animated show oh yeah it was about an obscure video was, game it was actually animated yeah and the thing that really did it for me was that it actually follows the story of Castlevania yeah, Three, Dracula's yeah. Curse, not like, Castlevania One. Most people 1. haven't played that. It's so obscure. It's great that they. Well, I've it's only, only obscure as, as a Castlevania game can be, which isn't very. See, but I've I mean, played uh, <laughs> Symphony of the Night, and that's the only Castlevania I've played. But the introduction to Alucard as a character in that story made me always want to look into the story of Castlevania Three. There's not too much story in Castlevania Three when you get right down there. Well, it's there's a few not text a, there's not a whole lot of story in a lot of. <laughs> NES or Super Nintendo games, like, but as it stands, this is one of the greatest video game adaptations of all time. Even for even in only four episodes. Did you know Warren Ellis was apparently doing a Castlevania three straight to DVD ten years ago? Yeah, well, yeah, that's that's where this comes from. Yes, I didn't know that. It, <laughs> he, he he talked about working on this Castlevania project. So when I found out that his name was attached to to this, because I mean, first it was like Adi Shankar's Castlevania series, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. The guy who did. Dread is doing Castlevania weird and then I was like Warren Ellis is attached to write whoa wait a minute <laughs> hold on this is old news 
what's going on here? And so he's been wanting to do this for 10 years, it seems like. Yeah, yeah, he has. He, he, he actually knew nothing about Castlevania when... Uh, when he started working on it, but he he felt it was like a Japanese transposition of the Hammer Horror films that he grew up on. So he was all in on it. He worked alongside the Castlevania director um, or producer uh, Koji Igarashi um, and did did a lot ton of rewrites because Igarashi was kind of crazy about it. And then and then it got shut down. It was in development hell for for ages. It was maybe going to be a live action film. And at that point, Adi Shankar got approached and he was like, ah, "Look, I don't want to do live action. I'm tired of Hollywood betraying fans on stuff." And Castlevania shouldn't be live action. It should be animated. So he said, you know, fuck you. I don't want to do it. But then it went in development hell and he got to like zero in. And it was like, all right, we're doing it animated. It's happening, which is great. Like that guy, he's a crazy guy and I love him. Uh, supposedly they did four episodes. So that way they could just do more really quickly. But I haven't heard anything yet. Listen, uh, my, my, my curiosity or thought process on the thing was like, maybe they had to spend a bunch of money on securing like the licensing for stuff because you know konami is konami yeah, and they've been fucking konami. crazy the last couple of years well the, it, they have been crazy the past couple of years but as i understand it the deal was sealed but basically they they did this four episodes with only slight tweaking based on everything that warren Ellis had written 10 years ago so now in season two which is eight episodes ooh, that's double that's double season it's, one. it's going to complete the cycle that he'd outlined the whole thing of but it's been written specifically with this in mind so it'll be a bit different and have a bit different pacing well, apparently it's coming out, I think, pretty soon. I mean, it's going to be out next year. I don't, I, I can't find out when, but it's coming out not, not too long from now, so that's pretty awesome. I got some bad news, though, Brandon. Just tell me that it's canceled like everything else I love. When we were we were speculating that maybe the future episodes were going to have Grant Dynasty, the stupid pirate character. There's no pirate character? Maybe not, because when he was talking about it in the past, Warren Ellis said that he, uh, he dropped him because he has a stupid name. And he thought he was misplaced in the setting. And he's right. But originally that was an issue due to like the, he really didn't want to do it because of the limited runtime. But now maybe, maybe, maybe we will have Grant Dynasty. So I don't that was know. The, yeah, that was one thing. One of the other things I was wondering about is because they introduced the other three characters of the, the hero party, but not Grant. So I was like, where's Grant? Grant. Oh, yeah. Grant Dynasty. He makes no sense in this universe. One <laughs> of the most interesting things to me about the Castlevania series so far anyway is how much you actually sympathize with Dracula. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, the first episode, you're like, wait, Dracula's yeah. the bad guy? No, I, I actually want him to win, basically. You understand yeah. exactly why he is so pissed off. And and you'd be like, I would, too. Yeah. I mean, like, you, I mean, he, he does go mental and takes it too far. But, I mean, with all of the power that the guy has and what happens to him, you can totally sympathize with it. Yeah. All you had to do was not be a shitty fucking church and you went and you were a shitty fucking church and and you made Dracula real sad. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That is that is the plot to the show. Dracula was made real sad and he got upset. That, that's it. That's how the show begins. Told you not to do one thing and you did it. <laughs> Never make Dracula upset. That's like rule number one. But what's rule number nine? Oh, number... Nine. <laughs> number nine. I am actually sick. Sorry. <laughs> we have to clean this microphone. Yeah, we're going to need to buy a new one of those. That costs maybe like 15 You bucks. owe us a microphone. Alcohol swabs, guys. Alcohol swabs. <laughs> mm, swab and foam. <laughs> Sounds like a good idea. Number nine. Sounds like a band. That's my band name, yeah. <laughs> or the foam swabbers. Uh, that's maybe like the name for like a, cr- a cleanup crew at like a peep show. Or for your urethra. Get a foam swab in there. Oof. Thank you, Orlando. <laughs> We've been the foam swabbers. 
Number nine is Secret Cinema Does Brazil. We've talked about Secret Cinema on past Top 20 Nerdy Things. This is an organization that does special limited time events with huge productions that showcase a single movie in these like covert settings. So a couple years ago, I was in London and had the ability to get transported back in time to 1955, Hill Valley specifically, and see Back to the Future with a huge dramatized set with a DeLorean, spitting sparks, going back in time, like talk, talking to Mayor, the uh, Principal Strickland and like in, well, talking to future Mayor Goldie Wilson and interacting with all these people in a gigantic town. So what you're saying is there's like some wealthy billionaire who's really bored and loves movies. No, it's an organization that's been gradually building up to this over time. Um, but this year they did Terry Gilliam's dystopian sci-fi film Brazil and none of us were there. And if we had been and had personal stories to come from it, maybe this would have gotten bumped up farther on the list. Where was it in the, was it still in England or was it somewhere else? It was still in England. They're based out of England. Um, we had people over there. We could have asked them to go. Well, that's the thing about secret cinema is you don't know about it until it happens. Well, that sucks. You got to be in the club and you can be in the club quite easily, but you, you pay dues knowing that something incredible is going to happen to you. So you got the details of this show because Brazil is a very detailed, very crazy movie. Yeah. I don't know how they build an event around that. Dude, all I've seen is this video and there's there's this video sort of summing it all up. <laughs> Check it out. It They rented out an entire like office complex an old one, a very dingy looking one that had this, um, a big sort of hole in the center where they could have like trees and so on. And when they played the movie, they played it like projected into this hole with everyone watching from the building into the center. And in the hole, they were able to do all kinds of dramatization stuff, including having, um, Robert De Niro's character, um, uh, Harry Tuttle, like zip cording down the windows and um, the whole final confrontation with Michael Palin and all that in the bottom, having uh, Sam's dream where he's wearing angel wings in that big flight suit, all that was happening on wires in front of everyone in the center of this uh, like office complex. But meanwhile, they put everyone who went to this performance through this whole narrative ringer before the film even started of living and existing in the world of Brazil, being crippled by this absurd bureaucracy, operating computer terminals with huge magnifying glasses in front of them, doing weird calisthenics, having people being detained. Has has this is might be confusing for people who have no idea what the movie Brazil is. I have any of you guys seen it? Here? I have not. It's so, not actually so, so far. Nothing I'm very to confused. do about a country named Brazil. Nothing to do. With so we're Brazil. not going to Rio. No, <laughs> I don't actually know why it's called Brazil, but. In classic <laughs> Terry Gilliam fashion, the movie is so crazy and super oriented and over budget. There's just one dream sequence, or no, there's a dream sequence where he's fighting a samurai, but the samurai's entire armor is made out of microchips, and, and it costs them a, over a million dollars in microchips. Like, he's a 12-foot-tall samurai. They spent a million dollars making that out of microchips, like the outfit, for just because he's insane. And it looks amazing for it, but he goes, this is why he doesn't get work anymore, because he goes way over budget and he's batshit crazy. <laughs> He's one of the greatest film directors of all time. If he gets money. If he if he can produce a film, yeah, yeah, if they let him. He also did, you know, 12 Monkeys, Fisher King, yeah. Baron Munchausen, Brazil uh, is Time by Bandits. far, I think, his craziest one. Well, Baron Munchausen is pretty Baron great. Munchausen was at one point the most expensive film ever made in Europe. Yeah. Huh. Probably still is. So. Uh, <laughs> and, and, yeah, if you haven't seen Brazil, do see it. It's basically this kind of, like, reinterpretation of 1984 from a man who'd never read 1984. And uh, it's the the concept of Brazil, like why it's called that, is sort of as this um, 
there's a song that plays throughout the movie, an old like 1930s kind of novelty song that's this idea of a happy place outside of this oppressive, grotesque government bureaucracy that, oh, that everyone's trapped in. That kind of makes sense now, given that movie. Yeah. Yeah. And I still can't figure out the ending, but whatever. <laughs> I'm not going to spoil it. You're not it. supposed to. I'm not going to spoil it. You might. I just don't think I have the, the capacity. So um, this is, from what I've seen, and Secret Cinema has done a lot of crazy stuff, even since Back to the Future, but from what I've seen, this is the only thing even remotely playing like as close to the threshold of absurd as what they did with Back to the Future. Have that many people seen Brazil to warrant this show, though? I mean, I'm assuming. I, over... I bet you they have in the UK. <laughs> Because I mean, it's kind of like a commentary on like big the concept of Big Brother exists because that's the nature of the British government to to want to do that kind they of just stuff. Want to be your big brother and look out for you? What's wrong with that? Like a cuddly telly, teddy bear. I was gonna say a telly bear, but that is I don't know what the fuck a telly bear. Is. Well, that's a that's that's a, a British it's probably a character it's in half British television. Bear, the Teletubby, and like I'm your little telly bear. Like a Teddy Ruxpin, a Teddy Ruxpin, but without a cassette with a little television, and uh, and whenever you turn it on, he just screams. I had a Teddy Ruxpin. It's what happens when you put Judas Priest in backwards in a Teddy Ruxpin. (laughs) You ever listen to a Teddy Ruxpin when its battery dies and it's four in the morning and you're like ten? Yeah, its mouth starts moving and it starts like going hi, and it's four in the morning. You have no idea what the fuck's going on, and that's how children's toys used to die with batteries back in the day. Scary. Thank you. Yeah. Just wanted you to know that. It sounds like a great experience that formed your... Also, if you try to put your finger in Teddy Rexman's mouth, it hurts like a bitch. That <laughs> shit, it's like a fucking clamp. It's not even soft. It's just solid plastic. I think they had to remove them from the shelf because they were dangerous. <laughs> I still have it somewhere. You should bring it. We should we should play with it at 4 I had in the, the I had the Mickey like... Mouse version. I had a Mickey Mouse that would read you stories. That's not as cool. I don't know. Mine probably looks like Hoggle at this point. I thought I was, <laughs> I thought I was cooler because all the other kids had Teddy Ruxpin and I had Mickey. You're just a Disney sellout. <laughs> I was too young to know what that meant. That's true. <laughs> Number eight is Blade Runner 2049. I haven't seen it. Nope. You also haven't seen Blade Runner. I'm nope. saving it for a special occasion like my funeral. <laughs> <laughs> Like I want everyone to view. <laughs> Here's it. this movie I never saw. <laughs> You're gonna watch it. At my Suffer funeral. in silence for the next hour and a half. It's a good movie to play at a funeral, right? I mean, I've never seen, but I imagine. Huh. There's, there's some cup noodle scenes I hear. That'll be Brandon cool. on his deathbed. Bring me Blade Runner. <laughs> <laughs> it is time. Yeah. Well, why didn't I enjoy this when I was young and could appreciate the high definitions and visuals? Oh, and it's sound. too late now. Back before my eyes were gone. Blade Runner is one of the most remarkable science fiction films ever made. And have even, robot eyes by then. Even though, as a kid, I wanted to be responsible for making a film sequel to Blade Runner, as an adult, I think, there should not be a sequel to Blade Runner. They're just going to fuck it up. But they did make a sequel to they Blade They did, Runner. and they did not fuck it up. I hear it's one of the greatest movies uh, of this year. And maybe some other years. Oh, yeah. A couple of years, at least. It's Yeah, yeah. It's good. It's if, real good. Why have most of us not seen it if it's so good? I don't know. It did very poorly in theaters. We're horrible people. It's it was a bad time of the year. I think there were like three hurricanes. Honestly, that that was a factor yeah. for us. So I was like, <laughs> I'm not seeing movies because it's death outside. Sorry. I mean, but then you could have had the cool story of cheating death and seeing a movie. There was no power. I couldn't see it. Everything was dead. Theaters. Why you gotta gone. throw logic into there, Brandon? <laughs> so Blade Runner 2049 is directed by Denny Villeneuve, and he it he what what's what's significant about this movie. 
is that like you know Mad Max Fury Road was this like sequel that no one could have anticipated that was so great you know done by the original director and all that and here we have this the sequel that probably shouldn't happen directed by someone else entirely different and but but the thing is Mad Max was Fury Road was kind of its own thing it could have existed like it it wasn't necessarily a reboot but it was very much its own thing Blade Runner 2049 is genuinely a sequel and it doesn't feel like forced garbage like oh remember this character played by Harrison Ford like no fan service. it has it has something to it has something new to say based on the themes of the original film and builds out the world in a really fantastic way I think it's better than the Ghost in the Shell movie I didn't see that. <laughs> no, no. But I'm gonna did. bet. I'm gonna bet it <laughs> is. Yeah. Like the, it is just as remarkable in the production design as the original was. Now, I mean, it couldn't be quite as revolutionary, but they did so much. I mean, they built, they built models and enhanced those models with all the the tools of the trade that we presently have to create these seamless landscapes that are just like that you feel so big. Did I miss out for not seeing it in like an IMAX theater? I missed out for not seeing it in IMAX theater. I saw it standard both times, and I wish I had, man. I wish I'd seen it in 4DX. Like, but maybe, maybe when when IMAXs start playing older films, you know, when we get to that point, enjoy in reality, the classics. Blade Runner 2049. I will be there. One dollar with, with bells on, which I'll probably take off before I enter the theater. Um, <laughs> it just it's magnificent. The sci-fi is great. It had some really cool short films leading into it, including a 15-minute long film. Um called Blade Runner 20 I'm trying to remember Are you what talking year. about the animated the one? The animated one, yeah. Yeah, I forgot that. It was directed by the, the It's dude. a different year, 20 something. They, they they each take place in different years to kind of fill in the gap between Blade Runner which took place in 2015 and, and where we are now. And the guy did Cowboy Bebop did one of them. Yeah, and this is the one, the 15 minute long animated one and it is wonderful. It's so good. Um everything around it was just magnificent. It is and and Denny Villeneuve is uh a, a, just a huge Blade Runner nerd took this extremely seriously and didn't fuck it up. It's so weird because most uh, most directors who are like, oh, I'm a huge fan of this type of movie or this story, and then they make a sequel, they fucking destroy <laughs> it's it. Like, like when M. Night Shyamalan was like, I'm such a fan of Avatar The Last Airbender. <laughs> you guys just don't understand what I did. It was perfect. And I'm like, fuck you. Jesus. What a piece of garbage. <laughs> I mean, he did it for his kids, man. What an asshole. <laughs> should be assassinated but yeah blade runner is magnificent if you haven't seen it do check it out it is i mean even if you can't see it in the big screen that's cool is that's it on steam to steam do movies bore uh steam actually does do movies what? and i am not aware if that one is on there or not oh, but i tell you what they do do brandon do 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 what do they, they do do they have the steam link which you can right now pick up for five dollars fuck's a steam link jesus you guys i'm i'm old it allows you to play your games on your TV. Oh yeah, it's, it's pretty great. Um, if you have a good, it's computer. weird that we're doing all this advertising and we're not, <laughs> we're not getting any kickback from this. Look, man, Boris is a good could fan be. of Steam and he's been convincing me to try to do this shit. But like, I'm trying to tell him my computer sucks, but he doesn't listen. Well, this episode's been inadvertently brought to you by Steam. <laughs> if you know how to, you know how we could potentially get money from Steam, let us know. <laughs> I'll email Gavin later. <laughs> Seven. <laughs> that was that's the best thing I've ever heard you say. I don't know how you did that, but I loved it. I just thought like a snake. That's good. <laughs> Number seven is uh, Sue the T Rex runs a D and D game on Twitter. I'm not gonna lie, I read that and I was like, I don't know what that is, and I have no interest. So explain. 
Well, if you don't know what Sue the T-Rex is, it's the most complete fossilized skeleton of a Tyrannosaurus Rex that we have. That Humans. And, it, and it lives in Chicago. Yeah, at the Field Museum of Natural History. Oh, I thought this was like some sort And of it has meme. a Twitter feed that uh, the museum runs and just posts random crazy shit to. Not only did they reanimate these bones, they taught it how to use Twitter. That's right, which is uh, that's pretty nerdy. I mean... That took a lot of science to make that happen. Hey, you're all lying to me, right? I know nothing about this. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Sorry. Trench is getting real. He just took took the mic off the stand. I'm reading. I I should have positioned this. (laughs) I didn't realize this was about a real dinosaur, or I'd be fucking interested in it. Trench, are you going to rap? No. (laughs) Uh, That that is not a skill that I have. Um, So, so how is I'm going to read you. Do not drop the mic. I mean, do not drop the mic. That's how you signify that, like, your point has been made and, you know, you're done, right? You dropped the mic? But I, just, yeah. I just cough on Anybody it. Anybody who's ever done that has never owned a microphone. They're expensive. <laughs> and everybody who has cringes when they yep. see that. You manage to charm several of the brigands, and due to your race, Hadrosaur, you blow their minds with dinosaur facts. <laughs> who knew that Hadrosaurs were the official state fossil of New Jersey? Hadrosaurs were the first dinosaur specimens to be mounted. Uh, Sexually? Crap. Yeah, they yes. were. <laughs> I should have scrolled down. Well, they have to be because we're not riding them. But if the mm. earth is flat as I originally believed, why is the shadow cast against the moon curved during waxing and waning? So that's just Oh, I never thought of that. Shit. And it, it start it went over the course of six days, and it just was basically stuff like that. Um, they included audience participation by like putting up polls and like, okay, what what course of action do you take next? And people voted on it. So the T-Rex didn't actually move or do anything because it's dead. No, but the person handling the Twitter account for the museum, you know, pretended. Pretend, like, exactly. Well, no, you're probably using arcane magic to summon the spirit of Sue. And they did dice rolls. They took board. pictures of the dice rolls and put it online. And it. Did uh, they at least make the dice come out of the dinosaur's hands or anything? It's eyes. It's butt. <laughs> <laughs> and it starts out as D&D and devolves into Pokemon. How does it evolve into Pokemon? How do you go from D to one of the one of the options? Um, oh, you're fighting a brigand, and it's like capture oh, brigand. Yeah, they, you know, what's your next move? And one of the moves was throw Pokeball, and everybody voted for throw Pokeball, and they, you, they caught the brigand. Jesus. So was it one of the ones where people actually like donate money to this like to this museum or whatever it is, and then then no, whoever they just put a poll up on Twitter, huh. and people it's could good vote. PR. No, it's great. I just I I've it seen, gets nerds talking about it on podcasts. I've seen videos like this where people will like pay real money and they'll get to like pick whoever pays the most or whatever gets the most dollars that choice wins. But this one is like a pure. No, oh, it was just audience yeah. participation, basically. The way it should be. And if you've never been to the Field Museum, the dinosaur exhibits there are fantastic. Yeah, yeah like, you got uh, the entry fee is high. So if you're like say spoiled by Washington D.C. and you're like all museums are free. You're gonna pay a lot to go there, but it's worth it. All all the museums in Chicago. I don't remember paying anything, but I was also a child. (laughs) So is this the one reason for me to go to Chicago? There's so many reasons to go to Chicago. Hot dogs. There's deep dish pizza. What? Hot dogs, deep dish pizza. Is it deep dish pizza with cheese whiz on it? Uh, no, that's that's Philadelphia. Um, they're right next to each other, right? There, there's incredible food in in Chicago. I don't know if it's still there, but there was once a a restaurant that served um, cupcakes made of meat. There were meatloaf cupcakes. They were all themed to different ethnicities. Meat cakes. Um, they were themed different ethnicities. Just don't go to meatcakes.com. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, but there's incredible museums all over Chicago. Um, like you, you can recreate Ferris Bueller because Ferris Bueller took place there. Oh, okay. I, I've just been to the museums in Florida, and I know that they're not that great. And then I went to D.C. once, and I loved it and want to go back. And now you're telling me there's this awesome dinosaur exhibit in the museum, the Field Museum in yeah. Chicago. Yeah. All right, Nerdy Show Road Trip. 
Yo, if you got if that's if that's for real, I want to go to Chicago. It's, we can, it's like it's like a hundred bucks to fly there. Oh yeah, it's super cheap. Yeah, because like, we're like two southwest to southwest, southwest hubs. Anyway, you don't need to know about our travel plans. No, you unless, do. Unless you do, you're gonna fund them. That or you want to meet up with. You guys want to hang us. out in the Chicago Museum, whatever the fuck it's called. I'm I'm totally going there. When yeah, I'm yeah we just need to wait a few that's months the for the Field it to warm Museum up. of Natural History. Yeah, I'm not going there during the winter. Hell no. Yeah. Oh my god, there's snow. You just gotta wear a coat. Come on. I haven't seen they, snow. It's the windy city. What do you not get about that? It's terrible when the wind... I was there in the autumn. It was insane how cold it was because the, the, the wind is like a blade that slices you with these arcane magics of, of like of like cold... Like fucking Jack Frost is like, ice level two, ice level two. <laughs> ice That's level Final two. Fantasy. I actually <laughs> took a trip recently and we landed at Midway Airport in Chicago and... It was a little bit windier than normal, even for Chicago, and it was the most frightening landing I have ever experienced because the the plane was getting blown the entire way down. Yeah, and then, it was. And then when we landed, it felt like the plane was going to tip over and like do a barrel roll. See, this is yet another instance of like where my military experience has just like totally skewed <laughs> you my open fr- the exit my frame of references <laughs> for everything. See you in hell. Because <laughs> I've been places where it's like you know when I went to Afghanistan, it got so cold that like. You know, you're outside using the porta potty and it freezes before it actually goes all the way through the porta potty. Or, you know, I've been in a helicopter where they've had like the back gate open and you're just like, oh, there's the ground, like, or the, you know, way down there. And I can just like fall So, out of what this you're saying is you don't mind going to Chicago with me in the winter when it's no. cold? No. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Well, it's be the most awkward trip. I mean, Let's I grew it. up in that area and I still don't want to go. <laughs> I mean, it's so muggy and warm down here. Why don't you guys want to go where it's snowing? I like it muggy and warm. Ugh. And this I, is I grew the up best in, like, time the of the year to be so. in Florida. <laughs> no, this summer. Or in August. No, that is yeah, wrong. 90 degrees. That's where Mid-September, you want to go to Canada. when we have hurricanes, this is the best time to be in Florida. 100%, 100% humidity. Mm. It's like a bathtub. Gators. Yeah, it's like a sauna. Anyway, Chicago's great. Shout out to Chicago. You got good podcasters there, too. That's where One Shot's from. And it, Yeah, the whole Sue the T-Rex D&D thing combines dinosaurs, which, you know, it got pretty high up on our list for something I never heard. <laughs> it was voted really high. And we should we should add, we're not the only people who voted on this. No, no, no. Also Jess and Doug and I think John also voted. Aaron. Aaron didn't vote no. Oh, okay. Anyhow, uh so I guess we'll with uh, we'll, we'll, we'll move along. Number 6, pick up sticks. <laughs> <laughs> Number 6, Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, and it's insane. Oh, Second season. So good. Uh, another one of my favorite shows that didn't get... Oh, wait. <laughs> sorry canceled. sorry to break this to you, Brandon. It did. Can we have a list of top 20 shows that were canceled this year? Fortunately, I'm not sure there's that many that were good. There's at least two. But, uh, <laughs> but boy, some good shows got canceled this year. In addition to Dirk Gently, also Dark Matter. Um, but let's talk about Dirk, why it's great, why you should watch it, why uh, it's totally probably bbc america's fault that you haven't seen it yet and what you can possibly do to make sure it does get a second a third season somewhere somehow yeah hopefully uh do, do we want to talk about that or do we want to go straight into the show we want to we want to talk about the show first well, that, that that makes sense yeah here's why you should watch it by boar <laughs> <laughs> all right well thanks for putting me on the spot uh randomly to talk about it gently well, just but what we didn't do it, for doug it's based on a douglas adams book <laughs> yeah all right, well, that, that's exactly how I was going to start it out. Uh, but it is based on a Douglas Adams story. Um, Douglas Adams, if for some reason you're not He's aware, the is the... very sci-fi writer. Yes, who wrote the uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy trilogy? 
No. Yeah, there's Quas- more than there's five of them. <clears throat> five, five of them. Yeah. Five Wind of them trilogy. and a fragment of a book that was almost a crossover between Dirk and Hitchhiker's See, Guide. See, the last time I read Hitchhiker's Guide, it was like the compilation, so it was just one to me. So I mean, I, like, a phone did... book that you could kill somebody with. Technically, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't unf- paying attention to how many actual novels were stuffed in that. It's thing. unfinished, technically. You just got to go back in time and get him to finish it before he dies. But Don't eat that peanut that This show you. is the insane friendship between a one... Uh, Todd Bratzman and Dirk Gently, who just randomly shows up into his life and completely flips it upside down. The first season was all about time travel, but this second season is a really nice treat that is completely fantasy oriented. Yeah, do you want to see knights with per- with pink hair fighting with scissors? <laughs> yeah, the, when I fo- watched the first episode of the new season, I was like, okay, this shit is. Uh, the first season was ridiculous, but this is just off the chain fucking ridiculous. I don't. I don't think it's very believable. And then I watched the second episode. I was like, oh, no, this is great. I need more of this. Yeah. the uh... Your issue was it's not believable. I mean, <laughs> it was just like the first season was far out there, but it kind of made sense. And so then the, the second season like, Brandon this makes and no I sense. saw it, the, not from the beginning, but the first time we saw it was at Boar's house when he made us all watch it for Christmas last year. Yeah, I was making everybody watch Dirk Gently. Because it's hard to watch. It's hard to find. Uh, and I was one of the people that had access to it, so I was spreading Dirk Gently love to Jer- pretty much everyone I possibly Jerk could. Dirk Gently love. Which is a, a Canadian, th- or not Canadian, Canadian, Jamaican-themed dish. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's co-produced by BBC America and uh, Netflix. So in the UK, where there's actual BBC, you can watch it on Netflix easily. Anyone can do it. Yep. But in America... Where it's difficult to watch the BBC, it's only available on BBC. Yeah, which it's a a fine network, but if you don't have cable, you probably can't get it. And heaven fucking help you if you wanted to watch it on Hulu, except that it did become available on Hulu. For some reason. When the first season was available, you still couldn't watch the second season on Hulu. Right. And they don't, and they don't have all the episodes all the time. So sometimes it will have a few episodes. Well, now it's on Netflix for us too, but only the first season. I mean, it'll get there eventually. It Wh- will eventually. What I've heard is that in January both seasons will be available. And if you want Dirk to come back some way somehow, like maybe Netflix can put all of their production money into the watch show that everyone lot. loves. Watch it a lot. What I'm going to do is I'm going to turn my Xbox on. <laughs> You're I'm just going to play it on Netflix a loop. On, and eventually it's going to be like, are you actually still watching? And I won't be there to say no, but every now and then I'll come back and I'll check and I'll be watching Dirk gently until that fucking show comes back. No, you just need one of those little birds that tips over <laughs> the liquid in it just to hit like the controller every couple seconds. But because I don't feel like we sold the series very well yet, um, beside, uh, Dirk gently himself is one of many different very special individuals that has some sort of a strange power that they might not even fully understand. And there are other ones that had previously been experimented upon and or observed by this uh, strange government organization called Blackwing. And they all have uh, code names. Um, And there's some other characters that show up like the Holistic Assassin. Uh, And there is... uh, and, and holistic in this case means doing something uh, intuitively by the by the virtue of the universe sort of like allowing it to happen and you mm-hmm. being a beacon for that. So in Dirk's case, he solves problems as a detective and the universe sort of gives him answers to things. Yeah, but, for the assassin, it's like if someone dies because of her, then that's the universe saying that person should have died. Yeah, she, she's a murder machine. Yeah. yeah like, it's like people point guns at her and the gun jams or the bullet misfires or, or what. And then she just picks up the gun that shouldn't work at all and just, you know, just works them. for her. Yeah. Anybody that she can kill, she does. And like, if she has a feeling about killing someone, she just kills them. And if they die, they were supposed to. 
and she can't be killed. Uh, definitely one of my favorite characters. And that's someone who's lived their entire life that way. So this isn't like a cool assassin. This is like she, a, a her, creature. Her life is like, looks like it's shit. Like she drives a car that's a piece of crap and her hair is all like frayed and almost dreadlocked dirty. Well, she only drive, drove that car because she felt like it. And it started up because, you know... <clears throat> It was supposed to, and it drove exactly where it, it was supposed to go. As soon as the other guy tried to drive it, it wouldn't start. Yeah, well, it it stopped, and it starts whenever it needs to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there's also uh, psychic vampires, and there is... Uh, a cat that turns into a shark. Well, yeah. The cat, that was more of a, a mad scientist I want to know what happens to that. Season God, what were the, the dudes in the van? Yeah, the rowdy three, the rowdy three, the rowdy and there three. was four of them. Oh, I'm painfully aware. <laughs> and they're what emotional vampires? They like feed off of. I don't uh, want to talk about the rowdy three sorry. too much and give away uh, all the all the secrets and joys. All the secrets of the rowdy three, but they're definitely amazing characters. <laughs> um, but there's new things in, introduced in the second season. We meet uh, the most powerful creature that Blackwing has ever seen in a coma. <laughs> yep <laughs> and of course the most powerful creature they've seen in a coma or ever and it just happens to be in a coma yes that okay it's the most powerful person ever it just happens to be in a coma uh but one of my favorite additions this season is the holistic actress and i'm not going to spoil that one for everybody but it's delightful it's the show is brilliant the writing is sharp as hell um the, uh, which is uh, Max Landis is the showrunner for it, and he's been helming the sucker, and it just it just keeps upping the ante. It's been there's uh, there's knights that fight with scissors, as we previously mentioned, but there's also wizards and strange forest creatures <laughs> and uh, body swappers and yep, interdimensional travel uh, through pocket dimensions. It's so many cool things, and it's a comedy. Yeah, so. and it's hilarious the whole way through. Yeah, so if you haven't checked out Dirk Gently, now's the time to do it. The second season is exceptional. It's here on this list, very close to the top. And it's also canceled, so it needs your support. And Elijah Wood needs your support because he needs more work. So please stream the show. <laughs> <laughs> please stream the show until season three happens. Those Lord of the Rings royalties aren't coming in anymore. He, if he would quit buying yachts, then yeah. <laughs> Man, I wish I had that problem. Just a yacht that looks like his face. <laughs> Number five. Stay, stay alive. <laughs> Thanks. I did a rhyme too, boy. Yeah, I did a rhyme. <laughs> a San Jose councilman is sworn in with Captain America's shield. So his uh, this happened back in January, and his name is Lon Dieppe. And I hope I pronounced that right. <laughs> did you say he... Long Dick? No. <laughs> long Dick. Oh, yeah, but but, it's but he dip. might have one, given the balls on this move. <laughs> so he. Uh, you know, when he got sworn in as a San Jose city councilman, he opted to use Captain America's shield as opposed to the Bible. Well, it's a more just symbol. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, his, the, what he said about it was, I think Captain America represents or embodies the ideals of America. And these are the kind of things I'm hoping to strive for. Equal justice, fair play and democracy. Ooh, I can't wait for him to run for president. <laughs> He's got my vote. Yeah, so, yeah that's, you know, comic book nerd. You know, runs for city council and brings with him ideals that we sorely need in American politics. I could have sworn, can't you decide? You can swear on anything if you decide. <laughs> yeah, like I, I thought so. you. Pretty much, yeah. All right. That's cool. I didn't know that. 
Well, <laughs> you know what's funny? <laughs> neither, neither did the uh, the lawyer uh, that represented Roy Moore. <laughs> he, I was going to bring that up, but <laughs> I'm glad you did. He, oh, he's like, you have to swear in a Bible. There, oh, yeah. There's a there's a hilarious news interview where, <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. The guy's like, you do realize you don't have to swear in a Bible. And he's like, what? <laughs> just, he just pauses for like two minutes like with this dumbfounded He, he is genuinely befuddled. Because um, like, he really thinks that you have to swear in a Bible. There's nothing but else. But no, you swear There's on nothing something. that says being a lawyer, you have to know all about laws. <laughs> but no, this this guy, Long Jiek, is that, did no, I say that right? Uh, it's like <laughs> Diep. D-I-E-P. Hey, can you pass some of that dip? This, this councilman uh, is really has his priorities straight in terms of like a, a proper symbol for, you know, believing in something. Um, and yeah, Captain America might be owned by the uh, multinational conglomerate that is Disney, but, but he's much bigger than that. He's an ideal and uh, an ideal that we very much need in this year. So great job kicking off the year. And I hope that you're and he's a real person. Which yeah, is he, why he's probably so high on this list. I, I hope, fantasy. I hope, I hope he's an awesome dude, and I hope that he he evolves his career beyond councilman into kicking ass in uh, in some something you know some kind of higher position or being a vigilante. <laughs> Whatever he wants to do, he's got my support. I hope he, I hope he punches Hitler in the face. It's time travel for that. <laughs> Assuming that there's only one Hitler, there's probably multiple if there's multiple universes. Clones. There you go. Walt Disney was a clone of him, I heard. <laughs> Number four. The Orville. Oh, snap. Yeah, you probably knew it was going to be on here somewhere. I'm not going to wait. I'm going to just say one thing, and then I'm going to bow out of this conversation because I don't like The Orville, and I'm going to leave it to I'm just going to say that you're wrong, uh, but go ahead. <laughs> no, I mean, that, that was it. I don't like the humor. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like the humor. I don't like the stories. It's all been done before. Peace. Oh. <laughs> All right. Out. Well, other than Brandon being completely wrong, the <laughs> Orville is a brand new sci-fi. Would you say comedy? Yeah, it's kind well, of. A, yeah. I mean, it's it is, but it isn't. That, well, see, it's that, a very serious sci-fi show that has comedic elements. I yes, would say. The, and the problem with calling it a sci-fi comedy is only because the critics who have been poorly reviewing it this entire season have been like, "Why isn't it funny?" Well, it's not funny because it's actually Star Trek, but it happens to have characters that aren't stiff as a board. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and that's that's how I actually describe it to a lot of people. Is I just say that it's basically Star Trek, except for all of the crew members don't have giant sticks up their butts the entire time, and they don't act like they're in the military. Yeah, and and yes, it can be too funny sometimes, but also they had a horror episode, and it was really good. They they can do just about anything they want, and as the show has gone on. They've started to find their footing, adjusting from being, you know, a show fronted by Family Guy's Seth MacFarlane. See, that's the problem is it's got Seth MacFarlane on it. So everybody thinks, oh, it's going to be Family Guy or American Dad, but in space on a spaceship. I don't know. Like the fact that he was involved with it made me excited for the show. Because but also because I know who he, you know, I know who he is as a person because he's been very, you know, forward about about that, about doing, you know, his things. And he's solely responsible for that second season of Cosmos we got. That was all him. Yeah, like he he if it wasn't for his clout with Fox, that thing never would have happened. And he I think he personally banked. Yeah, a I ton think he of it. funded it a lot yeah. of it, too. And as our listeners may remember, as soon as the Orville and Discovery both came on our radar, I was already saying that based on the information that we had, that I was way more excited for the Orville than Discovery. And it panned out that way, too. Like the show came out and 
Every time there's a new episode, I can't wait to watch the Orville. Like they're not all winners, but but generally like it's really strong. It has better space like stuff, alien stuff than um a lot of other sci-fis out there in- including the latest Star Wars. I mean, like it kind of it treats its own uh continuity a bit more seriously. It's very much like cut from the same cloth as Star Trek the Next Generation and um and does weird shit. I mean, weird shit. Yeah. That that never would have ever gotten touched. Then there was one episode that like there was genuine, you know, Star Trek has a lot of like socio-politically charged episodes. Mm-hmm. And there was one about um surgical alterations to intersex children at birth. Like yeah. that's a heavy topic. Yeah, they got really heavy on that one and they had a a trial sequence that was very very Star Trek. Yeah, I mean Star, Star Trek is all about getting the characters in some kind of like tribunal in space and having them yeah, talk exactly. each other. Yeah, exactly. Some and, alien tribunal uh and we experienced that in like what, episode 3 or 3 or 4, yeah. yeah. Early on, enough that I was like Yeah, I think that was 3, yeah. Whoa. <laughs> like I don't know what to expect anymore. This is crazy. And yeah, sure, you could you could have de- delved more into that topic, but but hold my, this hold the line. This is a primetime show on Fox and they just did this and they did it well. Uh, that's good enough for now, folks. We're good here. We're all good here. Wow. And they keep having uh, just random celebrities popping up, and they, they don't even make a huge deal out of it. No, and doing doing fun stuff with them as well. Yeah. Like, Liam Neeson's in an episode for seemingly no reason. Yeah, and he oh, just yeah, pops yeah. up randomly, and you're like, is that Liam Neeson all of a sudden? What the hell? Why? <laughs> and I guess just because he wants to have fun. Yeah. There's no other explanation for it. Yeah. So the Orville... I haven't I haven't seen all of Discovery yet, but I think the Orville's the best Star Trek show out this year in a year that's surprisingly filled with Star Trek shows. Yeah, even though it doesn't have the Star Trek brand, it is definitely a Star Trek show. Are there dilithium crystals? Uh, no, but there's a quantum drive, and they don't go into their own techno babble too much, and I don't really mind that. Yeah, uh, it's not necessary necessarily. I mean, I've got I've got gripes about it, which I've vented before. Like they don't, there's a little bit of inconsistencies about like throwing in too many twenty and twenty first twenty first century cultural references, mm-hmm. or what do aliens know or not know about Earth culture is very inconsistent. But like I said, it seems like that calmed down a little bit towards the la- the last couple episodes. But yeah, but they're they're still finding their footing, and and it does it is it is improving with each step, and started strong to begin with. So. I'm in Orville in a big way, and it's number four, so that, I hope, speaks for its quality. Definitely. Thrice. The Adventure Time episode, Imaginary Resources. Oh, man. Such a good episode, and in the middle of a very good story arc. Yeah. Uh, for the I just love that BMO gets, goes mad with power. <laughs> <laughs> the, this episode is a commentary on virtual spaces like second life and living on the internet and what that kind of does to people when you start identifying with yourself as a digital entity instead of a human being. And um, like Bohr mentioned, it's in the middle of a story arc. Adventure Time has been doing this thing the past couple of years where they've had sort of designated miniseries. The first one was Stakes. The second one, which this, which Imaginary Resources is from, is called Islands. And then after that was Elements. Did that come out this year? It did. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Islands was definitely my favorite, and this was yeah, one of my I favorite episodes. Islands was definitely it. better than Is Elements, that when Finn goes sure. to find his parents? Yeah. Like, uh, and Finn tries to go find his mom. And and we, we learn, I mean, it's really rooted in some big questions we've all had about the Adventure Time storyline for a long time, the whole story arc. I remember being a depressing. 
like it was a depressing story when he when he figures things out. It's pretty sad, but it's I mean like it's in the in the way that Adventure Time you know deals with heavy stuff. It's nowhere near the saddest Adventure Time has gotten. <laughs> nowhere near, yeah. <laughs> but in the middle of this is this is a storyline where there's there is an island of humans and they've all been trapped in. Well, well, there was there was a arguably. series of islands. It's kind of like a little archipelago of islands, but you go through each one as he tries to get to the one island where everybody's at, and you come across different like kind of scenarios or post-apocalyptic type setups on each island. Yeah, each island has its own different thing, and this one was virtual reality. Yeah, where everyone's been entombed will, will willingly in these like self-containing pods. And Bimo jacks into it and becomes a god. Becomes the like he be the mod, right? Yeah. And the it was such an incredible representation of both our present day state of virtual existence and like the near future. I really Adventure Time had never done anything like it before in terms of like that degree of commentary. Yeah. And and for that topic, no one has successfully done this like before it was it was so deep into the, the the social ideas of being online and what that meant um i'm trying to think of good examples we can give without spoiling this thing i just thought it was really funny how they separated from bemo for maybe like a day maybe two or something like that and bemo had been in this virtual world for like you know maybe up to two days and uh they found him and bemo was already like completely addicted to the, to this virtual world yeah, because, you know, Bimo's always had these kind of, like, delusions of, you know, I want to be super tough and, like, I want to be a real boy and all that. So, like, when when you see Bimo in his ultimate form, he's a huge, naked, jacked guy with Bimo's, like, box <laughs> Tiny head, head on it. Who, <laughs> whose body, not his eyes, are covered in eye patches. <laughs> yeah. Well, covered is a strong word. But he's got eye patches on his torso, on his, his like, wrist. <laughs> And and he's a, he's a mod, and everyone uh, treats him like like a king. And all these humans have these like this culture based around, you know, earning. If you remember right, earning points and customizing your avatar, and just kind of like living. <laughs> yeah, get get hot dogs, get baseball bat. That's not like, too dissimilar to current what's happening. Really. But yeah, like uh, Finn and Jake go into this virtual world, and they are mocked because they didn't have enough points to unlock good avatars. Yeah, they <laughs> log in like and they're that. they're, you know, the very basic basic avatar just starting out. <laughs> and they, they I mean they and they look like garbage and they don't look like themselves at all. And and everyone has these like really abstract avatars. So all these humans have evolved into an existence where their physical selves are like complete abstractions of thought, which is a very fascinating slant on what could be, you know, a, a reality for some people, depending on how technology shifts and human culture shifts and, um, and the comfort that they, that they had. Cause like eventually like Jake goes crazy and they all get freed, but that's not freedom for them. They're miserable. They're all like, they're, they're emaciated. They're crawling around, not wanting to use their legs. Like it's, uh, it's oh, horrible, yeah, but they're also to, tended to... to by floating robots, little, yeah, little birds that kiss them. Yeah. And get, <laughs> and give them drinks and stuff. So hopefully that hasn't like spoiled much of the episode for you, but it's it's an experience, um, and is was actually recognized for the extreme quality of. I mean, all Adventure Time episodes are pretty goddamn good, but this one actually was the second episode they've gotten a primetime Emmy for. Oh wow, I didn't realize that. Yeah, that's awesome. And weirdly, this was written and storyboarded by Pendleton Ward and Graham Falk, 
Now, Pendleton Ward, creator of Adventure Time, obviously he's written a lot of Adventure Time episodes, but this is one of only 10 throughout the entire history of Adventure Time that he's written and storyboarded. Wow. High pedigree there. Um, definitely check out this Adventure Time. If you've fallen behind on Adventure Time, it's wrapping up soon. You really should catch up. Crazy stuff has been happening. And it's, definitely the last thing watch I saw was Elements. More stuff's coming out since then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Elements yeah. was not a high watermark. No, it wasn't. I felt they kind of wasted a bunch of stuff there. But they, we they, did get introduced to Skyhooks, and everybody <laughs> loves Skyhooks. Like, that was the best joke of that entire <laughs> thing. It, it was. And, and I was really worried about the show. I thought Elements was where they jumped the shark. But fortunately, afterwards... There's been just a slew of cool things. So I need to catch up on Adventure Time. But Islands, even more important than Skyhooks, Islands introduced us to the greatest invention possibly ever conceived, the breadstick wand. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's true. That also true. Nightmare Princess, who I don't know if they've done anything with. They have not, but it's only a matter of time. That is unfortunate. Hot breadsticks are what we bake. We don't bake pies and we don't bake cakes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. Number two, coming at you. The Zul Curvasador. This thing is a dinosaur. It's another dinosaur on the list. It's kind of weird that we have two dinosaurs on the list here. Well, not necessarily. Dinosaurs are great and nerdy. Yeah, like I read an article recently that I was going to bring up with the Sue the T-Rex thing that uh, dinosaurs are actually really great for kids because it teaches kids how to do like research and ask questions and to think about the world. And like, what the hell is that thing with horns? It's a dinosaur. Or, do you know what the name means? It means destroyer of shins. Does it really? Yeah, because it's a type of ankylosaur, and so it has <laughs> a giant like mace on the end of its tail that's basically shin level. Okay, so the, the curvocitor is what means destroyer of shins. No, Zool is basically destroyer in Ghostbuster language. And then, okay. And the then sh- of, of shins of is shins. like, yeah. Okay, so, so Zool is one of the two terror dogs from Ghostbusters. And yes, when they saw this, this, this dinosaur, which is one of the, uh, the uh, an ankylosaurid, which is basically the kind that are armored with, with plates Wait, on the I side. Thought, giant club I thought Zool was the realm where all of the evil stuff came from. No, the reason, the reason we actually don't know the name of that realm. The reason the dog says uh, Zool. But it's that way in the video games. It is? Yeah. I don't recall that at all. See, we need a Doug on this episode. Um, Doug, where are you? Fix our shit. The the dogs were the gatekeeper and the keymaster. Right. And I yeah. don't think they ever gave no, they're any. Called ter- no, they're called terror dogs. The, right. The, right. The gatekeeper and the and the keymaster, Zool and Vince Clortho. Those are those. I mean, this I know. Those are their actual names. If the realm is also called Zool, then it's yes. also called Zool. Yeah. I'm looking up the official Ghostbusters wiki, and it's Zool is the gatekeeper huh. of of uh yeah Zool the gatekeeper of Gozer is a demigod. Uh, yeah. What is the realm called then? I always thought it was Zool too, because like when they open the fridge and you see the realm, and it's like, yeah, they called Zool. it Zool. Yeah, yeah, he's calling out to. Well, let's look at the. Yeah. Are you telling me that the original game that I played on the Apple IIe oh, was lying to me? That game, yes, that game was lying to you. That game is non-canonical. Ghostbusters: colon, The Video Game is one hundred percent canonical, but that game is oh. You know what's weird is I have. I that blame game. Apple. I have there that we game go. The Apple IIe. I actually had an Apple IIe. Yeah. yeah, that's a shit game that no one can beat. We did yeah. it, Doug. We 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 solved the mystery. Crisis averted. Yeah. <laughs> the thing I disagree with. The goes at least the official or well the wiki that I'm looking at just says another dimension. It doesn't name the dimension. Here's oh. the thing: is the dinosaur they d- they discovered is obviously an, it's an herbivore because it's an ankylosaur. But the terror dog doesn't look like an herbivore. What if it's carnivorous? But Here's the thing. You don't know. You I weren't mean, there. I'm pretty this sure it is, isn't. This is one of the most complete and best preserved ankylosaurid skeletons ever found. It has a complete skull and tail club and preserved soft tissue. When you look at the skull, 
Yeah, I mean, the first thing you might think of is <laughs> it kind of looks like a terror dog, which is exactly what one of the researchers said, and that's how it ended up being named Zool. I just don't think it looks enough like a terror dog. I think the horns need to be bigger. They should have taken some artistic license and punched it a bit. <laughs> that's <laughs> not how science works, like, Brandon. glue some other dinosaur bones onto the face. Like, look at this dinosaur. That's not science. I mean, science enough. Dan Aykroyd did a video with the skeleton, like touching it and everything oh, at the geez. Royal Ontario Museum. Of course he did. Did he talk about the positive bones? This is founded as a, at a Canadian by a Canadian museum, and he is a proud Canadian. It's all, like basically anytime he's got not a, a Jamaican. <laughs> anytime he has a, temp, a time, you know, chance to do stuff with Ghostbusters, he's all over it too. Yeah, I wish I was a proud Canadian. Do a. you? Yeah, you I can do. move to Canada. Yeah, I don't know. It'll that be I'm very to. cold there. I'm okay with that. It'll help my headache. Poutine. That's where poutine comes from? Yeah, dude. What the fuck am I doing here then in Florida? <laughs> I said bullshit. geese, unless Cap said poutine. Oh, yeah, I said poutine. Oh, I said geese. Poutine and Canada geese. Oh, go- goose fat poutine. Oh, sure. <laughs> with, with goose milk curds. Oh, that sounds great, actually. <laughs> I could use some of that right now to help me out. Goose milk curds? <laughs> I don't think that's a thing. Anyway, I mean, the fact that there's a dinosaur named after a Ghostbusters character and Dan Eckert is hanging out with a skeleton, need we say more? Honestly, it was 50-50 on number one and number two. And here we are at no, 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 number one. Yeah. What is number one? Number one is the palette swap ninja album, Princess Leia's Stolen Death Star Plans. We did an entire episode with these folks when this thing came out because it was like kind of a mind-blowing project, the result of many years of work where these dudes took the entirety of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band and reconfigured it into a completely in-sequence narrative for the timeline of A New Hope, and it works out perfectly. I mean, it's... Brandon, you were there. (laughs) Was I there? What happened? We were in the episode together. Yeah, yeah, no, it was great. For Star Wars' 40th anniversary, simultaneous to Sgt. Pepper's 50th anniversary, they made this really one of the, the greatest parody projects that there has ever been. It works so well how all the very different songs and sounds from Sgt. Pepper's could be melded into all the different components of this record. I mean, it has to be really good because it's our number one. And has extreme nerdiness for Star Wars and also extreme nerdiness for Beatles. In the nerd music scene, there's plenty of Star Wars songs. We didn't need another one. But then there's this. When I'm 64, getting turned into AA23 is in the cell block where Princess Leia is being held. I mean, the way they've broken down the syllables of these two things to mesh them over conceptually is just phenomenal. I'm being vague about it without being able to play you anything. We did a whole episode based around it, so there's that too. This episode's running long, so we should wrap it up. But let's do something let's do something a little bit better. Let's just play you something brand new, cut from the same cloth as this, because Dan and Jude this is a big year for them. This record totally exploded. And everyone was asking them, are you going to do Empire? Are you going to, with another Beatles record, are you going to do Jedi? What are you going to do? And Even like, George Lucas retweeted, he's like, guys, I need another one. <laughs> so, is, that, is that true? Who knows? <laughs> so in order to, to, you know, to move on, because no one wants to be pigeonholed into the people who only mash up the Beatles and uh, Star Wars. Oh, pigeonholes. <laughs> You have sentimental feelings about this uh, this pornography videotape of yours, Pigeonholes? I do like Pigeonholes. They did one last Star Wars Beatles mashup. A song that came out shortly after Sgt. Pepper as a single, Lady Madonna, is now Leia Organa. And this tells Leia's story from A New Hope through The Force Awakens. And that's what we're going to close with on this top 20 nerdy things of the year. It is just as good as the entirety of the former album. So 
well done, Palette Swap Ninja. Nerdy album of the year. We're going to send you number one nerdy thing. a gold medal in the mail for reaching the number one spot. <laughs> yes, uh, a replica gold medal from Star Wars A New Hope. Filled with, filled with chocolate. That's what you'll get. Tune in next time for our top 20 Brandon things of 2017. <laughs> Pigeonholes. <laughs> and being sick. Number two was definitely being sick. Number one is hating my job, right? Oh, God. Number one was hating my job. (laughs) So thank you for joining us all throughout the year of 2017. We'll see you in 2018 with Nerdy Show episode 300. Here is Leia Organa by Palette Swap Ninja. carpet out of my way. Why, you stuck-up, half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder. Go rescue Han. Leia Organa in your bush disguise. Shame that you got caught defrosting Jabba's dog and some randoms that's my favorite quote of the year <laughs> i thought that was volume two of pigeonholes no no raw dog and some randoms is definitely- <laughs> hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors saving you money and potentially your cat's life Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.